0: a brilliant achievement in motion picture history. Finally, the truth about Hitler's diabolical plans to create a race of superwomen can be told. Werewolf women of the SS. Welcome to Death Camp 13, home of the Nazis' diabolical plans to create an army of super werewolf soldiers. This project, its failure, will be your and the end of Germany bombings.
1: You have been chosen. <laughs> Rejoice!
2: I have found the perfect solution. The she-devils of Balzac.
0: Can they alone supply the blood needed to save Hitler's mad dreams? Or will the pride of Germany fall into ruin? Udo Keir, Sherry Moon Zombie, Tom Tolls, Sybil Danning, Bill Mosley, and Nicholas Cage as Fu Manchu. This is my bedtime! <laughs> <laughs> Werewolf Women of the SS. Written and directed by Rob Zombie.
3: Uh, four minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11. And is the month of July in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talk of this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy. Uh, thank you for joining us. It is Thursday and welcome to day 12. It 2970 503 503 uh... seven three three two nine seventy if you want to uh, join us today with your comments questions clarifications conventions two cents ruminations observations upon the relative hotness of sherry moon zombie uh... whatever it is you might have uh... five oh three seven three three two nine seventy uh... richie bristol standing by ready willing and able to pass along your observations about the interesting the groundbreaking the tedious uh... the mundane uh, later on we'll talk about richie's success at impersonating tim riley um, last night at the Willamette Week Best of Portland party, which was a uh, fantabulous shindig enjoyed by all. All right, that's um... that's later on in the more immediate future. Uh, coming up this hour, we have seen a radio correspondent, Lisa Desjardins, uh, who will join us from.
4: Well, I think she's
3: she's in the hill today, but she's talking about uh, uh, two or A, I think she's talking about the Obama thing. Obama in Germany today.
4: Yes, I am a donut. He's speaking right now. As we speak? Yes. As we speak, so speak Obama. Speaking as we speak. Hey, your microphone has a lot more presence to it today, Tim. I feel like I've been given presence. Listen to how great that
3: is.
2: It is, and it's really loud. It's great. fabulous. Wow, that's fantastic.
3: Wow, you sound like a whole new man. Mike, S- thank you. Say something else. You sound weird. Something else. Say, I am a donut. I am a donut. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay, we want to thank Jeremy Andrews at CBS Engineering who sent me an email last night, and he said, I think Tim's microphone sounds a little strange recently. And I allowed us how, I think, there was so, like when he would sort of get off the microphone, we would kind of lose you, and it was even worse when guests were here who didn't quite know how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was some sort of a gating issue happening with the microphone. And so Jeremy said, well, can I come in and take a crack at that? And I said, you know what, you, you come on and do whatever you want to do. Uh, say something else.
4: Say something else. Wow. That's exceptional.
3: It is. All right. You sound fantastic, Tim Riley. Can... i try Thank you. It's going to take some getting used to. It's like you're broadcasting from another much better radio I station right in the house. Like
5: shuffling your papers.
3: That's, you might want to back his microphone off a little bit because I can actually hear myself being picked up in Tim's mic. There's
5: wow. Like and it's like it's half the possible. game of ours.
3: It's what's that?
5: It's like half the level yeah. of ours. No,
3: I think they brought the... I think that keep they, talking,
4: Tim. Keep talking, keep talking, keep talking, keep talking.
3: It really, it's like we're broadcasting on one radio station, you're broadcasting on a wholly separate radio station.
4: This must be the digital one.
3: All right, you might want to bring him up just a hair more.
4: Just a hair more. <laughs>
5: Well, it's weird, because when I bring him up and I can hear his voice, I can hear his papers, and I can hear you.
3: You know, here's the funny thing. weird balance. Jeremy Andrews, and by... Let's just stop for one second. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, so Barack Obama speaking in Germany. Uh, Lisa Desjardins will be covering that. Um, before I get to anything else, so it's it's weird for people who listen all, to the stream or to the podcast Because the people who listen to the stream of the podcast, I can never remember this. They listen post-processing. Well, that too. The people who listen to the show online, including our many listeners across Europe and in uh, Japan, uh, they have I ever brought brought in a list of the countries where we're listened to? No. There's a whole I I got a whole thing where it breaks out the 75 countries, like it's the 75 top listening countries in terms of this show, and it sort of ranks them. So, like, number one is America, number two, I think, is Canada. Uh, But then after, like, number four is, like, South Korea or something. Um, Anyway, so if you listen online, as do uh, our many fans in Kuwait, for example, I think they listen post-processing, but pre-whatever that thing is called, compression. Mm -hmm. In other words, I think that they hear us when we go through, like, the sort of equalizer thing, but I think that that the volume levels aren't all evened out. At some point we should talk to somebody who just listens to us on the stream, and I'd like to know exactly what it sounds, because we don't ever listen to the, you know, because I'm here doing the show. So we don't ever really listen uh, to our own stream. I'd be curious to know sort of what it sounds like, and if on those days when we play a piece of audio that is really exceptionally loud or when it's we play something that's like so loud that we're not really prepared for it and it deafens everybody in the room, I wonder if that deafens the people who listen on to the stream as well. All right. Uh, on the subject of microphones, I think he tweaked everybody's mic. Can you turn me up just a little bit over there? Thank you. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, all right. can You he can me? never be loud enough, Rick. That's right, Sarah. Can you hear me in the back? All right. Um so in any event, so last night so Jeremy sent me this thing. He's like, "Hey, I think Tim's microphone has some gating issues. Do you mind if I come in and I sort of tweak it?" And I said, "You know what? Do whatever. We've noticed that we sort of lose Tim's voice every now and again." And he actually specifically noted In the email to me this morning, he said, Tim's paper rustling may be really loud now. So I guess there's some sort of weird frequency. It's the frequency at which paper shuffles. Uh, So your paper rustling is going to be heard crystal clear by people all across the country now, Tim. Well, all the more reason to listen. All right, there you go. Uh, Anyway, it is uh, Thursday. Thank you for coming by. Lisa Desjardins joining us today from the National Enquirer as well, uh, Dorothy Carceseri will be on the uh, Rick show later on uh, in the afternoon. Uh, today we'll do the top five. Um, top five uh, ballads that ruined a band. And I got a bunch of excoriating emails yesterday from people who were sort of peeved uh, that we can get to it. So uh, we will try to get to that uh, in the 1 o'clock hour today to make sure that it's not overlooked again. Uh, so coming up today, top five ballads that ruined a band. It is uh, High Concept Thursday, so we'll do that. Uh, Geek Watch coming up. Penis Watch, double penis watch, I think. Uh, Cannibal Watch Uh, coming up today. Uh, Sound clip inventory coming up today. We will talk more about Sarah's upcoming high school reunion, which is this uh, weekend. Uh, Richie's... Two days. Are you nervous? No. Nah. See, it is, that's the great thing. And here's how I know you're going to have a good time because you just don't care. Like, you have no. <laughs> at no at no time have I heard you stress about it, prepare for it, worry about it, ponder it, doesn't matter.
5: No, I'm really stoked, too. And my friend Tanea RSVP'd with me, too. So I am going with both of my friends that I wanted to. So I'm really excited.
3: Excellent. So that's a thing. And so we, we have a
5: DD, so that means we can have some wine before we go. So
3: if you go there and there's just a bunch of tools, you don't have to give a rip. You can just go to a bar and just uh, get soused in Bremerton. Excellent. Uh, we'll talk to Richie Bristol, who's uh, going to be going to Vegas, uh, where they keep the horse. This, uh, this coming weekend, he'll be leaving and going to Las Vegas. So we'll do that. Uh, oh, you know what we got today? Uh, let's see. We got two different things. Uh, A, we got more suggestions from the consultant about things we can do to capture summer listeners. Uh, so we have more... Pro- for us specifically? No, well, no, just for people. No, because these are, these are ideas that this consultant, who shall remain unnamed, pitches to radio stations like like free... And we're supposed to be then so impressed with these ideas that we say, that's fantastic. Can we pay you thousands of dollars every month to give, keep, give, you know, keep giving us these, these, these ideas? Uh, so we've got some of those. And I just received this uh, this morning. We just got our Lost Boys audio uh, from Corey Feldman. Now, here's the thing. I don't know what he recorded because I think we actually forgot to write anything custom for him.
5: Didn't we have him say white wheat sourdough English muffin? See, nickel? but
3: that's the thing. Did we float the idea, but then we never really did it. So I, I don't.
5: Know. You were supposed to be writing them down. Why is
3: it on me? Oh yeah. Uh, so I don't know that he actually did that. Uh, so well, he recorded something. It, it might just be like it's uh, Corey Feldman. Call now. And it probably says Solid State Radio. That would be my guess. <laughs> so I'll have to edit that down later. Uh, but we have uh, Corey Philbin audio from the Lost Boys. We'll get to that. Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, coming up later on today. Uh, the Glorious Bastard of this week. Guess what they win. Who knows? A new car. No. No, see, why do you have to do that? No, it's not a new car. Um, some why can't car... you
4: get something small? rice Aroni, the San Francisco tree. lake fault. Bacon fault.
3: It's some DVD. They win the first season of Mad Men on DVD, not a I'm car. Charged. Whatever. All right, Tim Riley's <laughs> working on the following stories for your edification today. A new car. Thanks.
4: A huge Portland-sized crowd greets Barack Obama in Berlin. Portland police pull over. 113 cyclists for running stop signs during a sting involving several locations citywide. Gresham kid is arrested for having a gun at a max stop. Robert Novak is fined $50 for running over a pedestrian and taking off $50. Is that all it costs? Yeah, oh. if you're Robert Novak. Well, okay. A protester superglues himself to British Prime Minister Brown. <laughs> the Oregon Zoo welcomes some new animals. Kids may no longer be spanked in Florida schools. And Screech is writing a save-by-the-bell tell-all. <laughs> yeah.
3: You don't even know, Rick. It's of course. Be good. Well, because what else is he going to do? That's the end of the road, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. That's that. Would you agree, uh, Tim? You've spent some time in the Hollywood system. Would you agree that that is that is the final act of someone just trying to cash out their stardom? Yes. Because I mean, when you write the tell-all book, that's when you've just any bridges that have remained unburned gone. Yep. Uh, so when you write the tell-all book, you can tell that they have exhausted every other option at their disposal. All right. Good for him. Did we ever get? Did we ever talk to him? Did we ever get Dustin Diamond on the show? Like, did we do a phoner with him at some point? I don't believe so. At this point, Uh, I have so... You know, we did that master list at one time where we drew up up a a, a list of everybody uh, that we had interviewed, or the the list of all the people, all the guests we'd ever had. And it was uh, the people we'd even forgotten. Like, I'd forgotten that we did Steven Seagal. Um, But at this point, it's all just such a blur to me that I don't know whether we've ever had Dustin Diamond on the show or not. All right. Well, we'll look
5: into it. It seems like something that would have happened, but I cannot remember it.
3: Let's see. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan, hello. How are you today? Hello. All right. So before we talk about the Willamette Week party uh, last night, we'll do that. And then I got uh, just a brief from brief notes. And we've got people who uh, are calling who are listening on the stream. So we'll get their thoughts in the audio. Because I don't really know what it's... I know what the podcast sounds like. Uh, for like, like I listen to the Court and Fatboy podcast sometimes, and I've listened to ours occasionally, but not like real recently. So I don't really know. I don't really know what it sounds like if you're listening to us uh, over over the internet. So we'll we'll find out. Uh, I do have though for you, Sarah. Before we talk about anything else, I have the worst news you're going to hear all month. No. Yes. Why? No. It's. And I don't even know. It's. I I not... About Bob Dylan. No. Wait, why would it be about Bob Dylan? I don't know
5: because I, I figured it might be him. I don't know, like going on tour with Miley Cyrus. Or let something. me ask
3: you this. At this point, <laughs> let me ask you this. What would what would bother you more if Bob Dylan were singing an album uh, or a song with Miley Cyrus, or if he were dead? What would bum you out more? Let me just let me put it this way. Okay, I'm gonna give you two headlines. American icon Bob Dylan dead at 68, or American icon Bob Dylan to record song with. Miley Cyrus.
5: I would have to go with the dead thing, but but I'd be really. you given him bo- permission he's, now. He broke my spirit after the, um, the Victoria's Victoria Secret thing when I saw him dancing around with like sparkly models. I'm like, oh no no no. Uh,
3: you know he recorded a song with Kiss at one point, uh, still unreleased. Nobody's ever heard of it. Bob Dylan and Kiss. He's just such a studio whore. Uh, Bob Dylan and Kiss recorded a song called Laughing When I Feel Like Crying. No. It's just the title alone lets you know that it's crap, but it's it's never come out of the best. Of my knowledge. No, this is uh, this isn't worse than Bob Dylan dying, but it's pretty bad.
5: Did somebody die?
3: Let me ask you. Okay, we'll play. A little, I know you hate Twenty Questions, but we'll.
5: I th- don't hate it. I'm just not good at it.
3: There's a film that's.
5: Is it a gem remake?
3: Uh, it's a remake of something. I'll give you that. Uh, there is something being remade, and you're not going to be happy about it.
5: And it's not gem.
3: Would you like one clue? Yes. Uh, the the company remaking this and if you know the answer to this don't text it in don't be a jerk the company remaking this is MTV MTV ready's remake of blank MTV ready's remake of blank
5: and it's something from my childhood
3: I didn't say that you said that
5: okay so it's not from my childhood so, um, something of which you're a fan something of which I'm a fan Remake, well, I haven't watched MTV in so long. Is it like something along the lines of like the real world?
3: Uh, it's a movie. A movie? MTV Ready's remake of Blank. It is a film.
5: Is it have to do with, um, a band? Uh,
3: sort of. In a way. I mean, it's not a documentary.
6: Is it a fictitious.
5: Like it a is fictional?
3: fictional. It is a. It is, yeah, it's a scripted movie. It is not a documentary. MTV Ready's remake of Blank. I always forget. I bet you are. This I, <laughs> <laughs> This is the worst radio ever. <laughs> this is long, long stretches of silence while you blink. Okay. Well, you get like you need to work
5: with okay, me to find on. a way to make it work.
3: Here's the thing, Richie. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> take. I can
5: see my phone going off, but I'm not looking at don't it. Don't look at it, I'm Richie. Not
3: Richie, we're gonna take we're gonna take caller five right here. And here's the thing, you are you are on your honor that if you know what I'm talking about, you can't call. You, you got you only got to call. We're gonna take somebody who will guess in the stead of Sarah Dillon. So if you don't know, and again, we're going to speak together as men here. This is On Your Honor. If you don't know, call in now, and Richie will take caller 5 at 503 733 You will play 20 questions for Sarah Dillon. But see, now you can't guess. Now, even if you think you know it, you can't guess. Because now you've already... We've already decided to hand it over to the audience. This
5: is a you problem, because you know I'm bad at it, and you keep throwing at it. I want you
3: to become better, though. I'm trying to help you be better at 20 questions. I can just
5: sit here and stare and think. Well, (laughs) yeah,
3: because you're just doing the Homer blink over there right now. Is
5: someone my
7: age?
3: I'm not going to say. Now, see, I can't give you any more information. It it will take caller number 5 right now at 503-733-2970. If you can correctly identify this, and again, please only call if you don't know the answer. You will win a Dark Knight prize pack uh, featuring, I believe, uh, the set of three buttons, uh, a, a poster, and a hat. Uh, so we got a, a Dark Knight prize pack. Uh, it'll take caller to five right now to play 20 questions to see if you can guess what this horrible remake is. Only call if you don't know. Uh, all right. Well, let's do, while we're doing that, let's talk about the Willamette Week party last night. So we'll talk more to Richie Bristol later. Who, Rich, uh, Tim, you should know this it was not an embarrassment.
4: That's a shame. I was kind of
3: hoping you would be. See, you had a weird whole thing about that. I think you are some sort of weird V for Vendetta chaos lover because you sent. Well, he does not
5: Rich- care because he's not there. I, <laughs> I guess, guess. We have to, and we're the ones associated with
3: Richie. So Richie cut himself off after three drinks. Uh, he got three. He got three. That shameful Richie. He got th- he got three drinks and he's like, I'm cutting myself off. Uh, so it was a good time. Uh, so th- you know, we met a whole bunch of great people, some of whom we already knew and some of whom we didn't. But it was uh, it was a good time. If you want to see sort of the photographic proof of the of the, of the good time, go to RickHemerson. dot com. And there's a photograph of me standing, looking uncomfortable, while Byron gyrates against my buttocks. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's that. It's uh, that's it. Rick Emerson. you give Richie a hug? Uh, I think Richie was giving people lots of hugs.
5: Have you ever seen? I mean, this. Uh... And not the people that we knew, but I you ever seen more snobby people in no. one place in your life? No. Like, all these little hipster kids. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? There was a
3: little photo booth in sour where you could, like, get your photos taken, where it's, like, into you know, the four black and white pictures. And Laura and I were sitting, you know, on the like couch kind of waiting for our turn to get all the snobby pictures taken. Snobby
6: stick girls.
3: That's the thing is we looked up, and we kind of went, and we, we, were, we were scoping out the crowd that was in line, and she and I both at the same time turned to each other, and it was like a mean We were like, look at all the hipsters. I mean, it was just, I just felt so... I don't even want to say I felt uncool because here's the thing: is I think you go through a phase where you sort of dislike hipsters, but it comes from a place of weird jealousy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're like, I, but why can't I be cool? But for whatever reason, maybe it's just because I'm old. But I've just got a no, point where it's just effing. I'm, it. I'm I not just, younger than you. I, I just don't care. I've gotten to the I no longer
2: care. No,
5: I don't. I don't feel the need to lord like the fact that I'm wearing the right color boots for the month over like somebody else. That's <gasps> why these girls are just, and they're so rude. Yeah, like I. Like smile, it's like, oh, it's not cool to smile. Instead, I'm just going to like sit there and like eat a carrot stick. And, and like, they
3: all have that look, that model look like, I'm so unhappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we should say that that was a minority of the people there. I mean, every, everybody Storm there was pretty cool. There was beautiful.
5: a minority, but they were sprinkled.
3: But they were, I mean, but they were sprinkled liberally and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, consistently throughout the crowd.
5: You missed shout out, Sam Adams. He was.
3: I missed oh. Sam Adams. I missed Storm. I got there too late to meet, you know, the, the Storm, Storm was there. Storm. I guess Storm came by. I didn't see her. I didn't see, I didn't see Sam Adams. Um, but, uh, but a bunch of our, I bunch saw of our friends were there.
5: The greasy biker guy that I went on, a, that, the,
3: the devil's reject yeah uh, uh and then uh, talked to penny lane for a while so that's always a pleasure so uh yeah
8: she's so excited she
3: gave uh, me she gave me her number she wants to come on the show at some point so we got really? yeah she was maybe she was just drunk uh, but she said she goes i'd love to come on your show and be interviewed by you and i'm like and of course outwardly here's what i'm saying to penny lane as immortalized by kate hudson and almost famous so i met you know the, the real the real penny was there last night and and uh i so maybe she just had a lot but she was like, I'd love to be interviewed by you. I love your show. And so, and I, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying this so I can then tell you this. That outwardly, I'm saying, hey, that would be really great. You know, we'd uh, we'd love to have you come on, and I think we could, yeah, uh, hey, that'd be great. Here's my card. It, you want to call me? I'll call you. Oh, yeah, just give me, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll hook it up. Inside, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm just sitting there trying, you know, in in, head, in my head, I'm just having some sort of geeky, nervous implosion while I'm trying not to, you know, like stammer all over all my words. All right. Uh, before we do anything else, let's then go to the phones. Where am I? Uh... Hello, hi, caller five. How are you today?
9: Good morning, Rick. Sarah, uh, Tim, you sound marvelous.
3: All right. So Why, now you. I'm going to take you on your word here. You don't know the answer to, to this question that I'm going to I'm going to sort of drill you on. Okay?
9: No, I do not know. This All right. Answer so yet. you
3: are playing for your honor, for Sarah's edification, and for a prize pack of items uh, from the new movie The Dark Knight. Are you ready, sir? All right. You here's here's the the headline. MTV Ready's remake of Blank. You have 20 questions, sir. Go.
9: Is this a fictional band?
3: Um, I would not say it is a fictional band. No.
9: Was it once or ever has been turned into a cartoon?
3: No, not to the best of my knowledge. I would almost guarantee it has not.
9: Um, is this music-oriented? Yes, it is. So it's a band that once existed or still exists.
3: Well, keep in mind, this, it, it is wrong. I think it is inaccurate to say that there's a band. I would say there are. It, 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 there, there is music. There is no band as such. There is no band in the sense that it's like the Beatles or you know something. This is not a band the way you and I would think of it.
9: So it is musical then?
3: It is musical.
9: Um, does it? Ooh, now I gotta go down a different path here. Um is it is it one the focus on one main musical person?
3: Um I would say there is a sort of leading character, but there are many many characters in it. It is not about one person. In other words, it's it's not it's not like uh you know, it's not like the story of Dewey Cox.
9: <laughs> oh man. Um is this something from the 80s? No. The 90s. No. 70s? Yes. Oh, my God. Please say this isn't so. They are not... Say, please say to God, they are not remaking hair.
3: They are not remaking hair. That's uh, that's a good guess. That is not what it is. You are now at ten questions, sir. You have ten more.
9: Was this once ever a musical? Um,
3: You mean a stage play? Yes. I don't know definitively, but I would almost say certainly yes. I would say that there are almost... I would stake my life that there are stage productions of this happening. In fact, in fact, in fact, I know for a fact there was. Yes, yes. The answer to that is yes. It was, and probably still is, a stage musical. That I- that is true. Yes. The uh, headline is MTV Ready's remake of Blank. Go ahead, sir.
9: Okay. Is oh man, I'm running out of questions here. Uh, is it does the music revolve around rock and roll?
3: I would say so. Uh, yeah, I mean it's not metal. But I would say that there's a certain rock feel to it. Absolutely.
9: Is the main character male or female? Male. The main character black or white?
3: Uh, white.
9: Uh, at the, I guess, in the, at the, was the main male character a teen icon?
4: No.
3: You have five questions left. The headline is MTV Ready's remake of Blank. Icon.
9: I guess at the time was the uh, main character somebody thirty years or older.
3: Um, I would I would say probably early thirties. Not old, not a teenager. I would say I would guess early thirties. Four questions left.
9: Oh boy, boy, I'm getting myself lost here now. Male pop kind of thing
3: MTV ready's remake of blank
9: yeah the kurt loader story uh <laughs> geez. um and i'm getting lost here uh, i guess would the scenery be west coast
4: um
3: no no i the scenery is ins- no the scenery's not the west coast not of this country
9: aha uh-huh, thanks for the clue
3: uh, Three more questions, sir. Uh, yeah.
9: What is the answer? There's my question. Do you give up? I yeah I, I'm I have gone down a path where I just don't
3: know. All right, sadly, sir, you will not be winning the uh, Dark Knight prize pack. Uh, the answer is MTV Ready's remake of Rocky Horror Picture oh, Show. that's
5: what I was mouthing to you over here, over and over again.
3: MTV says this story from Variety is doing the time warp on no. a remake of the 1975 called no. classic Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, Two-hour remake will use the original screenplay But may include music not featured in the original uh, Casting decisions have yet to be announced uh, Blah, 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 blah so, uh, so there you go The original Rocky Horror starring Tim Curry, Susan Saran, and Barry Bostwick And Meatloaf has grossed $140 million at domestic box office over the years So there you go MTV Ready's remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show All right, thank you for playing, my friend No problem Sorry, Sarah all right, oh thank no! You. I'm sorry too, Sarah, in like 50 different ways. I saw this this morning and I immediately knew that you would be unhappy. Uh, that's... Oh, There you go. Anything with
5: MTV on it lately just really bums me. But, out. It's, like, but it's
3: just, but there's just no point. I mean, that's the very definition. There's no point. It's the very definition that's of a movie that
5: every Friday. That's that.
3: it, that's the thing. It's like the movie. Jesus, the movie's been up for 33 years and they show it literally every single freaking Saturday in every art theater across the They show at the Clinton Street every Saturday.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: So, all right, well, there you go. So, sorry about that. Uh, well, we should take a break here in just a moment. We'll be back with uh, Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Coming up, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Top five ballads that ruined a band. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, latest skank celebrity who's been asked to pose nude for Playboy. Uh, oh, Richie Bristol's going to be riding in a pace car at Portland International Raceway uh, tomorrow. So we'll talk about that. Oh, and I forgot to say... Uh Well, that's up to... That's between Richie well, and his god I suppose. Drag. drag racing. <laughs> <laughs>
7: oh,
3: wow. Oh, I uh, oh and I, I didn't even tell the story about Peter Carlin last night. Oh, uh, he was there? Oh, do, do, yeah, I
5: met his wife, too.
3: You have oh. no... You have no idea. this she was like really the, cool. The weirdest story. Sarah Carlin. She is a. Uh, she's uh, yeah. She's great. Um. The. It's, but, okay. So we'll get to all this later. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Back after this with Lisa Desjardins. More of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson. the rick emerson radio program all right and i realized that we uh solicited for people listening online and they had to clear out the phones for the rocky horror picture show thing that's me i did that i'm not all that bright uh hello it's the rick emerson radio program it's 503 733 uh lisa desjardins joining us here in a while tim riley the ministry of truth later on high concept thursday uh we'll play the Corey feldman audio for the lost boys uh let's see uh What else? Top five ballads that ruined the band, and so forth and so on.
0: Let's see. How about this?
3: Rick, uh, I listen to the podcast at work. Uh, It is, like you said, uncompressed, levels all over the place. You are very loud. Tim is especially quiet. That's probably just until today, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sarah sounds fine. Callers and CNN correspondents are low. When Richie yells over the intercom, it is awesome. Uh, And uh, so forth. Let's see. What else do we have? Rick, uh, I heard you asking what the podcast stream sounds like. Uh, it sounds just like the crisp, high quality it's always been, uh, and hopefully it's and it's still at the moment it's still pre-delay. Uh, so if you do listen online into the pod, because I, I sort of asked engineering, I said, you know, could we could we make the stream post delay so if I bleep something in here, it kind of gets bleeped? Yeah, everywhere. I always
5: forget that people can hear things. Yeah,
3: and apparently it's a lot more difficult. I thought it was just like you're just taking a plug out and sticking it in somewhere else, but apparently not. Uh, I guess there's a whole weird thing with the server and the computer that processes the signal. So I guess it's kind of so it's going to be a while before that happens. Here's another one. Rick, the stream sounds great. Uh, plus, we get to hear all the bonus material that gets dumped. Well, bully for you. <laughs> uh, it's the uh, gift that keeps on giving. Let's see. Um, Rick, the stream is post-processing but pre-delay. I listen exclusively online. Those that connect via broadband are listening prior to the AM compression. Those listening via narrowband, uh, post-AM processing. And let's see, one more here. Oh, and this is just about Richie. And we get So today is Thursday. So a couple things. A. And uh, uh, we have to make sure that we set aside a little bit more time today to talk to Richie about his trip. Because it's always get, it's kind of getting shoved to the end of the show recently. And then after tomorrow, he's going to be gone and it's going to be all things. So, um, and he's going to be gone all next week. So next week, uh, Richie Bristol, Bristol will be gone uh, to Nevada. And we have uh, uh, what uh, uh, Timmy Ryan and Adam uh, from the Pim squad uh, who are going to be Adam's covering the today. phones. Is Adam lurking around today?
5: Yes. All right after timmy says all those horrible things about him i can't you know, believe
3: he's still his friend i don't understand that well it doesn't it doesn't matter to me i was just gonna say i don't really understand the dynamic of all those guys but you know what that's it doesn't it doesn't really matter it's it's not my place to understand uh okay so before we do but what time is it now
5: Eleven thirty-eight. So all right,
3: right so right yeah let me just because i don't want to start anything if we're going to sort of if we're sort of going to get behind you know when lisa calls um so I will say that a couple of things. So thanks to everybody who uh, who came out to the Willamette Week party last night. Um, so Peter Carlin was there, and the only observation I'll make is this: is that yesterday I had sort of had this whole conversation on the air about how I went to the doctor, and um, and they ended up not giving me any sort of like they didn't put me on like you know they didn't give me like Zoloft or you know anything like that because I get to go, I get to go to a clinical psychiatrist repeatedly before they determine what if anything is wrong with me. But the thing she did give me. Which, like, without even batting an eye, she just gave me this big bottle of Ativan, which is fantastic, which I haven't even taken. I just sit there and I stare at it, like, in, in the medicine cabinet, like Indiana Jones, staring at that golden thing at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark, just sitting there with a bag of sand in my hand, waiting, just wondering how I can grab it. So so I talked yesterday uh, about how they'd given me this prescription for Ativan. And here's the thing that I didn't realize, but which I then found out, is that if you sort of go on the air... And and talk about how, yes, I've got this bottle of Ativan, and I, it's it's fantastic. What immediately happens is everywhere you go, people you know who are, that have any kind of prescription medication, they all, like, come out of the woodwork to talk to you about how great it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sort of like you put up some weird uh, bat signal, uh, you know, the prescription-wise. So there I am at, at the Willamette thing. And I probably shouldn't even use names at this point. Um Although I've sort of already tipped that one of them is Peter Carlin, but so I'm at the Willamette thing and I'm wandering around and somebody a um, not to sound too uh, Sicilian about it, but a friend of ours comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, dude, so uh, just so you know, I got some Vicodin with me." I'm like, "Uh, "Okay, that's that's great, thanks so much." And then I'm drifting, I'm walking around the party late, and I did not take his Vicodin by the way. I'm walking around the party later on. Some other guy comes up, he's like, "Hey, are you talking about that Ativan? You know, if you uh, if you run out, you just..." You just talked to me. I got some in the car right now. I'm like, like, uh, okay, thanks. And then the third person I find is Peter Carlin, who just out of the blue starts rhapsodizing to me about his love of Xanax, which I guess is a thing he has never tried, but which they just recently gave him. I think they gave it to him because he doesn't like to fly or whatever. So he was in L.A. for the upfronts or for the critic thing. And so they prescribed him this Xanax, which I guess he hadn't taken He'd flown all the way, we'll get to Lisa Desjardins in one second here. He he had flown all the way to Los Angeles. He hadn't taken it. He's sitting on his balcony, kind of, you know, with a whole lot of things going on. As he put it, his brain was going in multiple directions at once. And finally, he thought, before I do anything else, I'm going to take a Xanax. So he sat there on the balcony of his, like, plush LA uh, hotel, popped a Xanax. And as he put it to me last night, he goes, Dude, that is the best thing I've ever had in my life. And then I found myself falling into like a nine minute conversation with Peter Carlin about the love of prescription drugs. So, there you go, Sarah. Oh, the future of America. They're everywhere. Welcome to the Rick Emerson show. From the Hill, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hello
8: there. How are you today? Oh, you know, I've been a bit of a kerfuffle. Our word from last week, I guess. Um, I, yeah, I was supposed to call in, I think, seven seven or several minutes ago and now I've got another live shot in like a minute and a half.
3: Well way to go Lisa. Thanks thanks for being a being a team player.
8: I know. I miss it and we've got tons to talk about Barack Obama and I've got this crazy Richard Simmons story that I'm doing today.
3: <sighs> Alright, well let me ask you this I'm sorry. so so what is what is your schedule for the Are you sort of otherwise occupied no. for the remainder of the day? We can
8: reschedule. We can reschedule.
3: Well what is what is gonna work? You tell me what works for you.
8: <laughs> um anytime after seven minutes from now.
3: Any time after seven minutes from now...
8: I can just call back.
3: Well, do you want to call back at like 50? That'd be great. Okay, so we will, we will look for your call then. Done. All right, there you go. Lisa Desjardins. That works. It's just one of those days. All right. I could really use some uh, Xanax yeah, do we right not, now. Can we not talk about prescription drugs? It just depresses. What, is your, what, is, what is your problem? It
5: depresses me because, like, my friend Heather works at a clinic, and she gets screamed at every day by people who want their their prescriptions refilled because they get prescribed these drugs that they don't need, then they're full on, on addicted, and they go in their ass. Do you believe me,
3: that I'm addicted?
5: I believe that you have the potential to be addicted. Well, everybody
3: has the potential to be addicted. That's why you shouldn't start. You seem strangely. You seem disproportionately angry about it. Because
5: this. ever since you started talking about this drug stuff, and you know you're going to start, you know, you talking about going on pills and stuff. I just know that it's not going to be the best thing for you. And every creative person I know who like people put their mom brain candy, it kind of stifles them. Well, which and is I'm not sure going to be a zombie. Well, which
3: is not what I'm talking about. which is not like what Xanax is. Yeah. I mean, half but the I mean, people you know are on Xanax, If you're going probably. to another
5: clinical psychologist, that means that they're out, they're going to, you know, enough people see you that they're going to find something wrong with you, which means they're going to stick you on something, which means you're going to be a zombie, which means you won't be as crazy, which means you won't be as fun anymore.
3: So you are so you are, uh, you are are preemptively angry about what you believe to be the end result yes. here. Yes,
5: because I know lots of people who are on, like, antidepressants and whatnot, and it, it does change your personality a bit. And one of the kooky things about you is that you're high-strung and, and stressed out a lot and kind of crazy.
3: I see. So you're. It's just selfish. So you're looking... So you're really looking... So right. I
5: know you want, like, like, a harmonious life and, you know, look at everything at peace, but no, that's, that's not what I want talk.
7: for
3: you. <laughs> All right. Well, in any. Well, here's the here's the thing.
5: I still, And I just don't want to see you in the system as, like, some pill-popping junkie because the way you rhapsodize about them kind of freaks me out.
3: Well, but see, but here's the thing. Here's... Is it because I know that you have this... Uh, I know that you secretly in your head believe that I'm some weird drug addict. I know... See, I can... And you sort of say, no, 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 I don't really believe the case, but I know you do believe that's the case. But... Here's the sort of thing that gives that gives the lie to that, which is that I went to what is it today Thursday, so I went to the doctor Tuesday, gives me the big bottle of Advan, which still is unopened, sealed, complete. You look at it.
5: How often do you look at it?
3: Oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. But I, but I, but you know, but they gave do me. Do you carry it around with you? I do. Uh, but here's the, but which I guess does make. God damn, I do sound like a junkie. All right. Don't hate the player, hate the game, Sarah. I think my thing about it is. Because this is when they gave it to me when I got uh, Ativan the other time, which is, like, in 2001 or something like that. Which, to be fair, is the only other time they've given it to me. And I think with Ativan, they don't – like, you can't refill it. Um, in fact, I think if you look at the front of my Ativan bottle, it says refills zero. Like, zero. you can't like, – How won't, many did they give you? Like, 30. But they won't – like, they won't re-up it. I think it's like – the thing is, like, if you try to get a re-up – and when you – and if you get anything like that, like Xanax, Valium, anything, I think they make you sign a big, like – and they give you a full lecture. Like, these – they don't say you can be addicted. They don't say that anymore. It's just like how they don't say manic-depressive. They say bipolar. They won't say things are addictive. They'll say, these have the potential to be habit-forming. That's that's <laughs> the way they put it. Um, they won't tell you that things are addictive. So, um, but And I've talked about this book a lot. Uh, Jay Moore, Last Comic Standing, Action, uh, Suicide Kings, whatever. He wrote this great book called Gasping for Airtime, which is about working on SNL. And he described when he was working on SNL, he started suffering suffering these uh, uh, these crippling panic attacks, uh, where he found himself calling nine one one like once a week because he was convinced that he was about to die. And so they gave him this drug called clonopin, um, I think it is, it's, but it's like another anti anxiety thing or whatever. Uh, so they gave him clonopin, which he said he told, and this is it, and I read it and I was like, my God, it's like I'm looking in some sort of literary mirror. I was reading his book, and he talked about how he never actually had to take them. It was just the fact that he would have the mm-hmm. bottle of clonopin. And he talked about this on um, Dinner for Five, too. His whole thing was, if I had them with me, I would never need them. He's like, if I had the bottle of clonopin around me, with me, in my car, in my pocket, whatever, I never needed it. If I didn't have it, though, he's like, if I went to work and I left it sitting at home, I would get a panic attack.
5: I could totally understand that because when I was um, seeing a therapist and then they gave me antidepressants, it was like some generic form of You're Prozac. You're just as
3: crazy as I am. Yeah, but I didn't do this because you had a bad experience?
5: No, no. Actually, I, on the contrary, I had a great experience, but I also not, I don't have the addictive personality when it comes to pills. So, like, I um, did, like, this low-level uh, Prozac thing when I was kind of crazy and anxiety a few years back.
3: Now, see, you never – now, see, I feel a little hurt because you never told me about that.
5: No, no, I was – yeah, I did it for, like uh, – because sometimes – what they tell is sometimes you have to take things to kind of rewire your brain. At that point, I was just insane, and I was working, you know, on coin at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I just wasn't getting enough sleep, and I was totally crazy and just not in a good way. So, yes, yeah, so I went there, and they gave me – they gave me like this low level prozac stuff, and i I always had it I took it for about a month and I felt like it kind of set like set my brain back in motion and then I had all these prescriptions, so I like, refilled the prescription, and the bottle's still sitting in my um in my
3: drawer but well, see and that's and that's
5: and that is I kind of see the Jay Moore thing because it was it did always make me feel good it's like hey, I know I don't need them, but they're sitting there if i you know if i do and I as think mu- they've uh, since it's expired as
3: but... as much as I sort of do sort of go on and on and on and on about Valium or or whatever i mean i i mean i am here's the thing is it you know I me. Mean, it's like i don't i don't smoke i don't dry, i mean i'm boring in every way so uh, i mean
5: but that's where the that's what worries me because that's where the prescription pills gets, gets me, my achilles like, heel totally because it's like the, it's, it's the good people no, the doctor like, gave
3: it to me it exactly. can't be wrong i have a prescription
5: for this it has my name on it it's not like you know a coke bag that well, i'm buying from someone
3: I, on the corner i think you would know if i was starting to abuse Adderall because the thing is from what I, and again, I haven't taken it in like seven years. But from what I remember about Ativan is, you you take it, you can't. I mean, I couldn't. I would take it, and I, I didn't even move. I would take it, and I would just sit on the sofa and stare into space for like five hours. I think I mentioned to you that when they first gave me Ativan, uh years ago. Um, and I think this is relatable because you know what? Because here's the thing: is just I'm I know so saying, I
5: have a lot of friends that antidepressants who don't tell anybody. And
3: just you know, yesterday, I said I, as much as I was sort of making you know making a joke about it, as I was running around the Willamette Party, every it's like every third person came up with it, like, dude, I, I'm totally with you on the Ativan. I got some in my boot right now. Um, but what was my point? Uh, but I, I made the mistake of taking some uh, uh, taking an Ativan right before I came on the show years ago. It's like when I, we were over at Fisher still and i and i didn't i didn't know the power of it i didn't know how strong it was and i took an advan before i came on the air and i mean it was like fighting my way through just this cotton candy fog in mm. my head for like four, the whole 4 hours or 3 hours or whatever it was at that point i mean it was just it was so hard to do the show i couldn't think it was like everything in my brain was in first gear it was so slow i don't even know how i got through the See, day I think you
7: and
5: i are the same personality type too because we just like chug cups of coffee and stuff i don't like being disoriented I don't like, that's why I don't like, you know, prescription drugs so much, ones who kind of slow you down. It freaks me out. I don't, I don't like not being in control in that way.
3: Here's the thing that I would, here's, and I'll grant you this, and then I have a question to ask you, and then Lisa will call and interrupt the whole flow of the show again. So, the, the thing I will say is, and they haven't, again, when I went, they're going to make me go to this clinical psychiatrist or wherever to figure out the deal, but, um, because she doesn't know what my symptoms are telling her, uh... So they haven't made any indication that they will do this, but I would say this, that if they made any move to sort of um, give me like Ritalin or Adderall or something, if they did that, see, that's where I would, that is a thing that I see myself having the potential to abuse, Mm -hmm. and I've never taken it, Uh, but based on everything I've read about Adderall and Provigil and all of that stuff, which is like ADD drugs...
5: Um, Stuff that like the the bad kids in sixth grade. Well, because so. it's just
3: because it's just speed. I mean that's the thing, and I can really see myself becoming a speed freak, like with no problem, like in the blink of a freaking eye. I can see myself becoming strung and out on you, speed.
5: Yeah, well, and you love your caffeine. As yes, you
3: I do. So it's just uh, like
5: caffeine, but a hundred times better.
3: Okay, so now let me and and it's and don't think that I'm cross at you, but now so why now why didn't you tell us when you were on Prozac?
5: I think it was when we were off the air.
3: Not if you were. Well, maybe. Yeah. What year would this have been?
5: Like. Ch- 2006 I wasn't ever officially on it I was on I I took like two months worth I think and that's all it took for me to just chill the heck out and and realize just like hey you don't need to it really did help me it made a huge difference in my life I would recommend it to anyone who's just a little on the crazy side and who's just like not really thinking things clearly because I was acting really irrationally and stuff and I, I I took this I along with a therapist did that um for a couple months and then you know as soon as it came time to refill my prescription, I got it refilled, and I'm like, now, I you, don't now, need it anymore. Now,
3: did it make you all kind of blunt it out?
5: No, because it was a really low, like, I guess the regular dosage is like t- like 20 milligrams or something, and mine was half of that. Right. So it was like a really low-level dosage, but it really helped me, like, get my head. See, now I feel like
3: stuff. I have to leave the Ativan bottle on a shelf so you can come in every day and check the level and just and see that I'm not just inhaling I'll it. I'll be able to tell. All right, no, usually because I'll be talking really slowly mm-hmm. no
5: and i'm all for I'm all for mental health, and I want you to feel better i just i just
3: Oh, that's a lie. You can't take it all back now.
5: <laughs> no, I do want you to feel better, but I don't know if better makes, you know, for you would be zombieing
3: out. Uh, well, I was trying to tell the, oh, uh, is this Storm? Okay, so we'll talk to Storm here in a second. And Lisa, I was trying to tell the, the, the doctor about that, the, the medical doctor, because, you know, my whole thing, if I don't let like you be like, don't you know who I am? But she's like, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I work in the entertainment industry, sort of. I mean, I'm in the radio. And
5: we've got to kind of be on our toes, too.
3: Yeah, and, and well, that.
5: Sanity isn't really, you know, something that a lot of people have around here. And
3: she's looking at that, that checklist that I had to do with the last stupid doctor. They Send me to, which is like where, they, you know, it's like you check up a hundred questions. The thing I read on the air where it's like I scored like that I'm off the church crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's looking at this and she says, well, it seems like these would make it hard for you to function. You know, she's looking at all my symptoms. And I said, well, I sort of found this way to make it work for me. <laughs> I mean, that's what I said. How as so I, I put it? Just
5: stick it out until the end of this job and then we have to get a normal job you can get all meted up. <laughs> wait
3: until I'm in, wait until I'm digging ditches somewhere.
5: Yeah.
3: Uh, Storm Large. How are you?
1: Hi, Storm. Stormy. What's up? We
3: missed you last night at the uh, Willamette thing.
1: I was there literally for like 15 minutes. I got stuck in traffic and I got there late. I had to leave there early. It was really lame, but I got to see Sarah for a second. You look oh, beautiful. It's so good to see you. I know. I'm sorry. I've been so so busy, but um, but everything is good. But Rick, real quick, yeah. Don't take don't take Ativan. You'll love it.
3: Oh no, no. I said, they. I was just telling Sarah that once, about seven years ago they gave me a bottle i got one i got a prescription for adivan in the early, like 2000 or 2001 no yeah. re, no refills it was just one bottle of like 20 pills or whatever and it's like the best thing i've ever had
7: yeah it's
1: it's some pretty good clinical dope and it but but it is like the anti-rick machine it will make you so not funny and so just Dead in the eyes, like a doll's I eye. I know. You know
3: what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but see, the the if what I remember about it is that I told. See, and now and and now I feel like everything I say is just me going.
7: I'm not addicted. <laughs> I feel so but, dirty.
3: But they they gave me the, the 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 new Ativan prescription on Tuesday, which I haven't and I haven't I haven't taken it, haven't opened it because I haven't had any reason to. What I do remember about Ativan, here's the thing that really appealed to me about Ativan when they gave it to me, is that I took it and I just didn't care about anything. I just things. didn't. Like, you know, work stress, job stress, life's, F it doesn't matter. I'm going to watch TV. Yeah,
1: it's like soci- sociopathy and a pill, you know? Makes yeah. You just not care, care about right from wrong. It's like they gave it to me uh, before I had my uh, $4,000 growth spurt where I woke up and had breasts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they, Davy drove me to the doctor. I had to take one at night. And then one in the morning, so I wouldn't be all panicked about the surgery, Davey drove me to my appointment. Weeks later, he told me some certain things that happened in the car while <laughs> I waited. I'm like, shut up, you're lying. And he said, no, I, you did this thing, and this guy came up to the car, and you weren't making any sense. And I'm like, you're lying. It's amnesia. Ugh. It'll make you forget. It'll make you not funny. And And we love you. I love you how crazy you are.
3: Well, I, I think, and and to, again, to echo what Jay Moore had said about his, his dose of whatever, that I, I think for me, the thing is that I do, and, and to be fair, not nearly as often as I used to. I used to get these panic attacks, or really like the least pleasant thing ever, and I don't get them that often anymore, but I, I think just the idea of, of having the Ativan around yeah. that it's there probably right. will mean that I don't need to take it.
1: I used to have total total panic disorder, too, but that was... Unfortunately, because I drank too much coffee, and I know you can never change that. Yeah, your, there's don't? some
3: things that can't stop. <laughs> I
1: know, but really, really, really quick. I know Lisa's going to be calling in a second. Sarah, I went to your blog and saw the pictures from uh, what's the what's the name of the joint Richie's going to? Sherry's okay. Ranch. Dude, the video, the video on that website is. Classic. I love how they tr- they're they trying to make everything look all appealing. <laughs> like there's a, they show a big close-up of a plate of room-temperature shrimp, <laughs> and then it cuts away immediately to this, some mom swinging on a pole. <laughs> it's hot. Sexy. Oh, it is, that is just, Well, his, you can just smell the magic of the place.
3: His $3,600 has got to buy him something.
10: 3600
3: What do you <laughs> think for that? $3,600. I don't know. I mean, for $3,600, they ought to come retile my bathroom.
1: I was going to say, they're going to fix your roof and then, like, I don't know, <laughs> take you around the world.
3: Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, he had to put down a $900 deposit, which is now non-refundable. So, as they say in poker, he's uh, he's pot committed.
1: And the video, too. You know, like in trailers, they show you all the best scenes in the trailer and yeah. pretty much... Most of the trailers of films today you could just watch the trailer and you've seen the movie. Yes. They were showing all the the best the best rides, I'd say, in the <laughs> video. Uh... Man. Richie, Rich, give Richie your and
3: All right. Well, well, and uh, see now I have to go watch those, so we'll watch those during the break. Oh,
1: oh, oh my God! You haven't seen the promotional no, video? No, I've tried to.
3: <laughs> I, this may be hard to believe, but I've spent a very finite amount of time at the it's, Sherry's Ranch website. And
5: looking at like Richie's future sexual partners, that like, creeps you, me you out. I don't want to,
3: Yeah, I don't want to know that. No, I, no, no.
5: The, the pictures
1: are hot. Now the pictures of the girls, those are doable. You know, if you've kind of squint, one of them kind of looks like Vivica Fox <laughs> <Bob>, or whatever. <laughs> but the video is showing like their chicks kind of playing pool and their underpants.
7: Playing oh, yeah.
1: on poles and sitting around in towels and they're supposed to be like the hottest chicks at the ranch. Dude. <laughs>
3: Alright, well now we have to go watch it. <laughs> i right.
1: right. Look
3: th- for
1: the plate of shrimp. It's a classic. Thank
3: you, Storm Large.
7: Love you guys. Thank see you, see Thank you
3: later. <laughs> Storm Large. StormLarge.com Let's again welcome to the regular show from the hill. I think it's another week where everybody's crazy. It's not just me. Hi, uh, Lisa. How are you today? Hi.
8: Storm. I'm happy to hear Storm. Now, yeah, it's a, crazy.
3: What a weird day it already has been. Right. So, it's kind
8: of cute. bizarre day. All right.
3: Jesus. I agree. I'm no.
8: full on with that, yes.
3: All right. Um, I was going to ask you something about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but the moment's kind of passed. Okay. Um, <laughs> Except to say that, uh, are you a fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yes. All right. Uh, then you'll be horrified to know that MTV is remaking it. No. Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah. Just... <laughs> that that was an authentic little yelp of pain at the end. That wasn't for the benefit of the radio. That was like an actual little bit of anguish that escaped from your soul and fluttered its wings into the daylight. Yes. All right. Um well, I don't even know where to go. Uh by the way, can I just tell you anytime any politician from America speaks uh in Germany, all I hear is them going, "I am a donut." So... Yes,
8: I know. I know.
3: It's true. Uh, all right, so uh, so Bar- here's a dumb question. Yes. Since he's running for the president of you know this country, why is Barack Obama speaking in Europe?
8: Mm, well, I think there are a couple reasons. One is political strategy. His weak points are national security and foreign policy. Those are strong points for John McCain. Arguably, John McCain camp certainly thinks so. And this is why he needed an international trip. Add to that that John McCain correctly pointed out that Barack Obama had yet to visit Iraq and Afghanistan, and he was going, he was running to take over those wars. So he he needed to make it to Iraq and Afghanistan, no question about it. If you're over there, you you try and think about how to get the most play for your message, how how to get the most out of it. And Barack Obama, as as you know, his whole message is about unity, uh, sort of breaking down barriers, those kinds of things. And in Berlin today, he he took his message, and I think he, he really did kind of uh, seem like he doesn't want to just be president of the United States. This might sound like aggrandizement, but it's not. It, he's really trying to – he came across as though he is trying to change the direction of the world in a way that's trying to make people like the U.S. again, which, which I think is part of the problem in Iraq and Afghanistan. The U.S. still is going to need support from other countries, but yet the rest of the world – eh. Not, not is, so keen on the U.S. By going to Germany, making this speech, this speech again and again said, "We need each other." And you know, he said America has made mistakes. It's kind of the most humble message we've seen from an American leader in Europe in a long time. So
4: is this? So is this
3: his? Uh, just in terms of positioning and marketing and imagery, mm-hmm. uh, by the, because I don't know where John McCain is right now. John McCain's just I don't know at a Cracker Barrel show more probably. <laughs> I need to
8: find out what you're going to laugh at where he he's actually uh, on the road. He was at um, Schmidt's Restaurant and Banquet Hall.
3: Okay, of course he was in Ohio. So he's on his lay on his way from like Lick Skillet, Arkansas, to Russ Bucket, Kansas,
8: Columbus, Ohio. Well, it's you know he's making a point. He's trying to make fun of Barack Obama. But, but that but
3: that's the thing, there. right? Don't you think it's going to have? I mean, in my opinion, let me say this. No, I think. Regardless, again, as I always say, of one's partisanship, you've got John McCain who's like sitting there with his feet up on a barrel of nails eating a pickle somewhere. And meanwhile, Barack Obama is like speaking to, you know, to the masses in Europe. Mm-hmm. As they always say, one of those things looks presidential and the other one doesn't. So, I mean, it's. it's
8: true. You know, it is, It is. you know, now, now that John McCain is sort of, you know given uh, given journalists kind of his his warning that we're all in love with Barack Obama. You know, I don't want to be too careful about what I say, but I still want to be careful. But the fact is that I was messaging with another journalist during that speech and just saying, how does John McCain compete with this today? You know, there's right. just no way that you can. And Barack Obama, in one sense, is it, it's, he's doing this for his presidential campaign, but you get the feeling, and you can question any politician's motives, that you get the feeling that he is also trying to set up his presidency, sure. that he's trying to really, you know, get Europe in his pocket and get going.
3: You know, as, uh, as Ben Affleck says in the movie The Boiler Room, uh, act as if. And uh, that is kind of what Barack Obama is doing uh, at the moment. Uh, hey, before we, before we go here, I know that the schedule is sort of all higgledy-piggledy today. Um, uh, let's talk about Richard Simmons, oh, i say, about in how the weirdest segue of the day.
7: How about it,
3: yes. So, so is Richard Simmons actually testifying before Congress today? Please tell me he's wearing little satiny dolphin shorts.
8: Okay, he did testify. He wore a suit and tie.
5: Ah, boo! But That's almost more interesting, though, because you never see Isn't seen that? I think
8: it is. And he had French French cuffs. Uh, but then, about twenty minutes later, he very. And I don't know if his suit was velcro. I don't know if there was a real, one of those kind of changes. I I don't think that looked like a legitimate suit. But he quickly changed into the tight shorts and tank top. Of I course. believe it was a, a a glitter tank top. Oh God! And and. Actually, held an exercise rally here on Capitol Hill, right outside of the building where he was testifying. He
3: is the weirdest combination of at this point of like old guy and pixie. I, I mean, well, you know I, what I mean? Like he's right? like he's, it's true. It's true he, with an afro. Yes, I mean, yeah, he's like he's like the uh, he's like some octogenarian fairy godfather.
8: <laughs> it is. true You know how old he is?
3: I uh, fifty six.
8: 60, 60. He is 60 years old. Wow. He really does it. I'll tell you. He, I know that he'd been doing interviews all day yesterday when I spoke with him, and he just kept going. He said, "I said, listen, I'm sorry. I know you've got, you know, you've been busy." He said, "No, ask me all the questions you want." He, you know, when you're with, you really kind of do want to hug him.
3: He when... He is sort of a he is sort of a wait not a cherub because I think a cherub is by definition. Plump. He is he's
8: like an adult. I don't know something. But he's a
3: whatever. But the the thing about it, if you're a fan of The Breakfast Club, uh, there's that whole speech that John Bender gives where he's talking about Claire's a fat girl's name, and he said oh, uh, right. there are two kinds of people in this world: people who were born fat and people who were once thin and became fat. And if you look at him, you can kind of see that fat person trying to get out. <laughs> Richard Simmons, you can tell just by looking at him. If he were to let himself go for even a moment, he would just like buh, 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 and then suddenly just be 800 pounds.
8: I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that.
3: You can see the fat guy he used to be even now in my opinion.
8: See, I know this is not what you want to talk about, but I have to tell you I really he's really sincere in his message and I, he's right. We got 30% of our kids who are obese. Oh no.
3: I I agree. No, no? Just, he is a true believer. He's I mean
8: He's a true believer. He really and, and it was pretty funny though because he he was and he does not have a deep booming voice.
3: <laughs> That's a polite way to put it. <laughs> yes,
8: but he was getting all he could out of his voice in that hearing room. Almost, It was almost
3: alarming. Well, he does have... I mean, if you see any of those sort of infomercials or whatever he's done where it's like him and the sort of... And it seems always like a lot of housewives and like bad pastel-like sweatsuits. And, um, but he has that weird... Almost speaking of we've spent a great deal of this hour talking about uh, psychotropic medication and whatever for any number of reasons. But he seems like one of those guys that is almost he feels like this weird, almost frightening level of empathy with people. You know what I mean? If you've ever seen it's, him it's very deep yeah. And if you've ever seen him where he's like doing the thing, like the Oprah thing where he's sitting in a chair and he'll clasp hands with the, and, pr- the oh, woman. That's it's and proof. and the woman is just like, you know, I've spent my whole life really trying to fight it off and like the t- you look over at Richard Simmons, like the tears are streaming down his face. And I'm I'm not trying to make fun of the guy. He as you say, he is a but you, is, he's an thing. extreme he's
8: a, example, of that, right? It's, you know, and I, I interviewed him over the phone, and I, I could almost feel on the phone him trying to do that. You know, at one point he said, "Lisa, you know how." Al- how old are you? Are you twenty-four? <laughs> like he was, like he was, he was kind of like, I know you. I, you know, I come on, we're, yeah. you know, and and not in a slick political way, but in this kind of, you know. Oh. No, and he
4: he is so. I
8: totally disappointed him when I gave him my real age. It was like, no, you don't know me, Richard Simmons.
3: <laughs> you don't see into my soul. Not
8: twenty-four. R-
3: Richard Simmons is one of those. Uh, he he is just so utterly without guile that I think to a lot of people he just becomes, like he sort of slingshots around the sun and becomes off-putting in a whole different way because he's just so, like, he. he I mean, he just wears his emotion on his sleeve, his forehead, his shoes, his lapel. I mean, it's just everywhere. So
8: let me, see, let me see if I have, um this is one of his, I don't know if this is the sound bite I want, but you can kind of get the tone of his voice, I think, from this. Let's see. There we go.
1: There's a statistic that says our children today will not live as long as their parents. What have we done? What have we done to the kids of the United States of America? This is wrong. Wow.
7: <laughs> I just
1: love him. He's,
3: he really is great. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people it's who don't just, like him, but you know what? It's I just do not
8: hear that on Capitol Hill. You hear nothing remotely like that he, on Capitol Hill. It was just fantastic. He
3: is just he is just all sort of id. I mean, it's you know it's just all right there. So God bless him. Um, you know the thing that fascinates me about Richard Simmons, apart from you know everything, is that. I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the hair. I'm going to talk about this, the fact. I remember seeing a Richard Simmons, uh, quick, off the top of your head, can you name uh, a Richard Simmons diet uh, product or plan that is not sweating to the oldies? Go. Uh,
8: it was the color wheel. What was his thing? Deal a meal. Deal a meal.
3: Deal a meal. What... Um, so I remember seeing an interview with him or some whatever. It, may, it might have been an infomercial years ago. when he was. I think it was for Deal a meal. And he was he was talking about how when he was a younger man how he was very very overweight which again I look at him now and you know you to me anyway I can really see that like some people you look at me go yeah I can really picture you at 700 pounds and I can with him for some reason um, but. Wouldn't it be fascinating to see a photograph of a really morbidly obese Richard Simmons? Because they must exist. He talked about he's like, when I was a kid, I used to just stuff my face with candy and pie and everything bad and sugar, and I, as fifteen year, a fifteen year old, I weighed two hundred and ninety five pounds or whatever it was.
8: Great, yeah.
3: And it's and it's like, but I just I am fascinated. I want to see photos of that. Well,
8: you know, apparently he was actually a child commercial actor in Europe. Really? Yes, because he was like this cute, super pudgy American kid, Oh. and so they'd put him in like these food commercials and, and and stuff. So so that it has to be out there.
3: Can I just tell you on KCMd Portland this this one thing? So this this has to do with uh, just sort of the, the state of American obesity. With like, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. We're a fat freaking country. I mean, there's no getting around that. We are. Uh, a history, yes. uh, and I mean, just, it's just we are. Have you seen Wally? No. I oh come on!
8: I know. I saw Batman. What do you want? I saw Dark Knight.
3: Oh, what did you think of it?
8: Oh, loved it.
3: Uh, no, Wally's is a great movie. You got to see it at some point. It's it, Wally is fantastic. Right, you
8: understand? I've got like two biographies. I've got uh, crazy elect- Yeah. I'm, got... I'm Trying.
3: I know you have got Richard Simmons to interview. Um, I
8: know. I've got. I've got Richard Simmons. The, uh, on the back.
3: it really it really is a masterpiece. Uh, but they, here's the only here's the only reason for my uh, for my sort of Job Bluth come on there is because this this isn't going to work nearly as well now, but. I won't give anything away, but wall takes place sort of in the future where, you know, and there's, there's a whole thing about the fattening of, of America. Oh. Uh, there's a little subplot about how in America everybody's just become a big, just, just a big sphere. And um, so my wife was telling me the story last night that she was at one of our local malls where she, as she described it, she said she saw two, like one, and then about 30 seconds later another one, two just unbelievably, like massively, morbidly obese security guards going through going through one of our local malls on, wait for it, segways.
8: Oh,
3: man. And I mean, the segway, especially when used by a guy who's, you know, 500 pounds, that is just the very definition. That sums us up as a country right now, you know? I mean, God forbid you just, you know, walk. I mean, when did walking somewhere... You know, you
8: personally are entering dangerous territory here, right? Why?
3: Uh, well, because of my lack of bicycling? Yes. Well, I suppose that's true, but I mean, I guess my thing is there is biking, there's whatever, there's driving, but it's like the distance between, on the sort of transportation scale, the difference between walking, biking, and driving is is fairly great, I would say. The difference between walking and taking a Segway, which has a top speed (laughs) of like nine miles an hour... I mean that it's like so little difference there, I mean, the Segway is basically just hiring a thing to walk for you
8: for you, yes, although for security, you know there are capital police officers who have them because it gives you're above the crowd, so they use them for crowd control not I'm not trying to legitimize the segway because i have I don't want anything to do with that, but uh, there, there is a real purpose for it.
3: I suppose. I, I don't just not know
8: for the for the of uh, larger girth. I don't.
3: It know. just the, the the Segway just seems like training wheels for people who can't quite get the walking thing down. That's my only my only. And and it's a uniquely American device in this way too. Not only does the Segway basically just replace walking. Again, bicycle can you know have a top speed of whatever. I forget what you know, like maybe twenty miles an hour, twenty five or whatever it is. You know, And you know, and a car can you know obviously has all its advantages. A Segway. It basically is no better than walking, and as a bonus, because we're America, it costs $11,000. <laughs> does
8: it really? A Segway? Really
3: a Segway? I don't know if they're cheaper now. When the Segways first came out, they were ten grand. Jeez, wow. I mean, so $10,000 to do something that takes the place, it does everything that walking does, except benefit you physically. I mean... It is the most American of inventions. <laughs> all right. You've got to see Wally at some point. It really is a beautiful, it's a masterpiece. It really is.
8: I will work on it.
3: And after seeing The Dark Knight, you need a ray of sunshine in your life. <laughs>
8: yes. Yeah. All it right. So good, though.
3: I'm sorry about all of the, uh, it, was it more of a kerfuffle or of an imbroglio, would you say, today?
8: Oh. <laughs> Please, it's, uh, it's it's still in shape and so much so that I cannot uh, really discern. All right.
3: Well, in any event. Oh, no. uh,
8: I like kerfuffle. It just sounds like a waffle cone to me.
3: Are you? There ought to be a place called Kerfuffles. They're Kerfuffles sure? where Kerfuffle will be like a guy in a magic hat who sold you the Dippin' Dots.
8: Uh,
3: are you on tomorrow? <laughs> For
8: the worst. I can't believe you're bringing up Dippin' Dots I'm now. I'm um, I'm not here tomorrow nor Monday, um, but Sarah will be happy Monday night. I'm seeing MGMT
5: here which I'm really great.
8: yes i'm very oh,
5: excited when lisa was in town uh we drove around in my uh rock and Fort tourist listening to MGMT. it was great <laughs> it was great oh you're so great. lucky my sister's gonna go see them uh this sunday in brooklyn hey i'm
8: very excited excellent oh, you're
3: lucky and then, but then
5: i'm back i'm back on tuesday all
3: right well enjoy your weekend best to you and jason and uh, we'll talk to you soon
5: okay
8: thank
3: you there you go lisa desjardins ladies and gentlemen she's so cool i KCF love her portland wow hi tim how are you I'm not nearly as good-sounding as you are. That microphone is fantastic. Maybe you should get one. You straight... It doesn't even sound
5: like you. Sound you sound all
3: authoritative. I mean, it's not that you didn't scary. have the ring of authority to your voice before, but, I mean, even more so now. You, I feel all emasculated now next to you. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's
0: new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth... This is Tim Riley.
4: This is brought to you by Lace Auto Collision Center. finest collision repair. Go to lace.com and find out what Lace can do for you. Portland Police pulled over 113 bicyclists for running red lights and stop signs in just two hours. Wow. This at only two busy intersections during the morning commute. The offending riders failed to stop, even with the officers in full view. And while they were dealing with others, well, some people just kept going. At the same period of time, 15 motorists who stopped for some violation, and uh, so it's still going on today, apparently. So where was this at, or was it all over? There, there were a couple of different locations. Let me see if I have this here. I'm jealous what of your mic processing. One uh, was at the corner of North Cross and Northeast Broadway. Apparently, that was the. Uh, the they pulled over 150 bicyclists in two hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, That's kind of awesome
5: crazy. that so many people are bicycling.
4: Well, that is true. <laughs> Way to see the glass half full. Um, but they have not issued any tickets with a $242 fine well, to is most it? of the bicyclists they what? stopped. Well, it was a friendly warning. Uh-huh. Well, it's like when they put up that
3: sign, your current speed, you know, which just pisses me off. That's a uh, video, you know, 25 miles an hour, your speed, 36. It's a ticket me or don't. Why are you paying to have that thing there? But
5: that always kind of freaks me out because I'm like, is there some bastard hiding in that van, and they're just going to take out Oh, off you know there thing. is.
3: Well, you know, my, you know, on the way home from the Willamette thing, so when Laura, she was telling me the Segway story, and then just without moving, without or without even pausing, she was telling me this story about the, the security, which I've got to get a photo of. She's like, these security guards, she's like, they must be like 400 uh, pounds, and they're on a Segway wheeling through Lloyd Center. Um, but um, where to be honest, let's be honest, at Lloyd Center, you got a criminal at Lloyd Center. How fast can they be moving? I mean, we look. I mean, look. I shop there too. But Isn't everyone at the Lloyd Center a criminal? That's well. I didn't say that. To, I shop at Lloyd Center, Tim. <laughs> well, there are a few who might not. No, I'm the exception that proves the rule. But I mean, everybody. But I will say this: there are many people of size at Lloyd Center. So it's like, if you're a security guard, how hard can it? B, to catch some, you know, catch some guy at Lloyd Center who's just sort of, you know, sort of weebling his way down, down the gang ramp. Um, uh, the, uh, what does gang ramp even mean? I've
5: never even heard of gang ramp. Isn't I'm not that... trying to say gang rape.
3: No. What is that? That's isn't that different? What is that thing? <laughs> it's the difference. No, what is the thing on a ship? Isn't that a gang, gang plank? Gang plank. What is a gang plank? What does that even mean? A gang goes up the plank. Is it a gang, like a gang of dudes? Yes. You know that thing, like a gang plank is like... Like
5: when you walk the plank? No, no, no.
3: See, that's just a plank. Plank is a weird word. Plank, 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 plank. All right. A
5: a gang plank is a board of plank with cleats for steps forming a bridge which to enter. That's the thing
3: they walk up onto the Titanic on.
5: Yes. That's That's a gang a gang
3: gang plank. Not just the plank, which is just a board. That you walk off of. Let's stop now. It's a good thing I don't have ADD. Um... So she was talking about these uh, fat-ass security guards on their segues, and then she immediately segued into this rant about cops pulling over bicyclists. And she was just like, she was just uncorking this huge, She's like, why are my tax dollars being spent, like, ticketing bicyclists and, you know. She was, she's, and, and she, her thing is, this is my wife saying this, her whole thing is there has forever been conflict between cars and pedestrians. She she said, you know, why is it suddenly all cars and cyclists? Like, why is that all anybody cares about? She's like, there have been been problems between cars and and jaywalkers and cars and people walking forever. And I pointed out, without really taking a side in the issue, I pointed out that the reason the cops are pulling over these bicyclists is because cops, to be fair, always have a difficult job in terms of public relations. I mean, cops have a difficult time. You know, the the cops have a difficult time with sort of their public image and perception. And most people don't bicycle. Most people drive. And so this seems to me like an easy way for the police department to get a little um to burnish their public image a little bit. Because eighty percent of people drive in cars and they'll be like, Hey, look at that, finally getting something done. So that's that's what I think this is about. I think the police department is trying to trying to trying to buff their public image a, a little oh, bit.
5: Well look, it ends in the front page of the Metro. Well, there,
3: there see there you go. And and again, I'm not saying if you're a bicyclist you ought to ignore whatever. At the same time, I think there are probably larger issues to deal with. But, that's but, you know, the average guy who sees that in the paper will go, damn straight, lock him up. And that's, it's an easy way for the cops to sort of look like, you know, to, to, you know to, to, it gives them a few uh, brownie points, I would say, with the average, the average uh, you know, citizen.
4: It's like putting braces on the legs of crippled children. It's exactly like that, Tim. Mm-hmm. He is free to look again. Charges have been dropped against the man accused of breaking into an apartment, cutting off a woman's underwear, and licking her back. Eastman Hale said he proclaimed his innocence all along and volunteered for a test to help his case. He took a line detector test and passed. Hale was arrested after a woman reported a man broke into her northeast Portland apartment. She woke up to find her underwear cut and the suspect licking her back. Well, the accused sister said her brother's a good person and the accusation's out of character. Hill's girlfriend claims he was at a friend's house waiting for a ride to work at the time of the incident. She said it's a case of mistaken identity. Hill claims it's hard to go out of the house after his arrest, and he's lost his job. (laughs) Well, maybe. A Washington County jury has acquitted an aloha man on charges relating to the killing of his neighbor's pit bull that was attacking his dog. So, they said he was justified in doing so, in killing the pit bull, because it was on loose attacking yeah. his dog. The jury decided 39-year-old Jose Luis Ramirez was justified in using a broken tree limb, a machete, and a samurai sword to get the dog to stop. It took all three things. He told the jury the pit bull had already killed two of his cats and was always running loose, so why not? Kill the pit bull.
3: That's the official opinion of CBS News, by the way.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, Richie, should I be... Uh, well, two things.
3: Uh, should I be answering these calls and B? That little factoid you just typed at the bottom of the screen, is that for public knowledge? Factoid. He texted it to me. Well, he texted it to you, but...
5: Is it a text from Scott? Yes. I got that same thing. I think that you could say that.
3: We probably shouldn't say that. Should we? Sarah, what do you think? Wait, hold on. Let's let fate decide. Wait, hold on a second. Where's... Okay, 2 Face. I'm just seeing a little pop culture reference. All right, hold on. Let's We'll let fate heads, decide.
5: heads or tails do we say? Heads
3: heads so jesus so scott daly just dropped 3 grand on a divorce attorney Wow, oh. and that's just and that's just for the attorney by the way Didn't cheaper than a night with divorce. Horse. seriously that's <laughs> that's it's still, it's still cheaper than yeah, it's still cheaper than going to sherry's ranch going to sherry's ranch here's tim riley
4: well, two were arrested after the Aloha High School shooting. They charged a 15-year-old boy on attempted murder charges after shots were fired at the Aloha High School parking lot. The teen was arrested after an intensive search of the area. Hours later, the deputy saw the teen's brother, 18-year-old Gerald Manlove, who's also wanted in the case. Gerald Manlove.
5: <laughs> Gerald Manlove?
3: What,
4: what a name to go through high school. I was just going to say, that's going to be a fun name when you're in the locker room. Yeah. Hey, Manlove, get over here. If you remember Dudley Man Love was in uh, one of the Ed movie Ed Wood movies. Right? I Backway. didn't remember that. Yes. Uh deputies were chasing man love. Two Beaverton police.
3: <laughs> were the deputies was, chasing man love? <laughs> did they, did <laughs> they try
4: steam? <laughs> the deputies were t- 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 chasing man
7: love.
4: Yeah. <laughs> they they have, have, have them try Byron's house. Uh, a Beaverton Just too police easy. officer the driver of the van were uh, both hospitalized apparently. Oh the van crashed. It, it, and, uh, apparently the van... Band that the police were driving crashed during this thing. While they were looking for man love. While well, they were looking for man love. But they probably had man love in the back of the van. <laughs> the
2: American of police officer and the
4: driver of the van have been hospitalized. Man love has been arrested and booked in uh, Washington County Jail, where man love can now be found. <laughs> His younger brother also faces weapons charges and murder charges. So see if you have a last name like that, you are doomed. It's just, it's just too easy sometimes. It
3: really is. Uh, I don't even know. All right. Uh, hi, you're on The
4: Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: Hey Rick uh speaking of devices that will make fat people fatter, yes sir have you seen the uh the i unit by Toyota
3: the i unit no
9: i unit okay, I just sent you an email about it. It has a link to the pictures of it it is Wally. that's all I got to say
3: what but what is it what is it what does it do it's
9: It's exactly the device out of Wally, except it's on wheels.
2: Like that everybody what,
3: what device? Oh, oh, oh! You mean like the like the fully encasing, like the weird gelatinous pod you sit in with the screen in front of it? Yes. Well, I think Matt Peterson was already on the way to doing to, to being that uh, in in the sense that he had. I think Matt didn't Matt lay down like fifteen hundred bucks for one of those all enveloping Xbox chairs that, like, it's like a whole Xbox system, but it's like a Lacey Boy recliner. Um, so, I mean, really, the future is here today. All right, you sent me an email about this.
9: Yeah, it, I, it I'm says I, here.
3: Oh, yeah.
4: This Kenny from Suburbia.
3: Yeah, here we go. Uh let's see. The Toyota i Unit concept. Uh so I'm uh, I'm opening the the blog here. So if you haven't seen Wally, it's not a spoiler. It's just uh, there's a whole thing in the future people are kind of, kind of kind of big and fat and boneless and uh and they just sort of sit there in these weird sort of jelly bean shaped chairs while everything is wow. What is this it called? Is, it's called the Toyota i Unit. It is a personal mobility device. Um so it basically it looks like it looks like um uh it looks like a little uh, miniature car if it were in the movie Tron. Uh, yes, I mean exactly. that's kind of what it looks like. It looks like a it looks like a like a Tron light cycle meets one of those big huge strollers that suburban parents put their kids in. Yeah. And so this just sort of takes you around everywhere?
9: Yeah, and apparently it goes pretty fast. I mean, I saw it on wow on the news and they were showing people driving around and in and it like
5: you know oh my it god it is in the
9: corners.
3: It, no it's this is this is really really cool-looking and see of course here I am being just a dumb American I want one so, uh, you know, the Japanese really are at the forefront of everything that's, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, didn't the Japanese read that story the other day where they created that weird love robot or whatever? Yeah, that's there's,
4: like, a, there's a TV show on the bottom where it dances for you. Yeah. Uh, this is a different one called Love Me, Love My Doll. It focuses on a group of men who have fallen in love with their life-size dolls called real dolls. For these men, their $10,000 lifelike built-to-order creations have replaced human women. Well, let's talk about that. I uh, out what makes these men tick. Get a peek yeah. at their life. Just, just, hold hold the word
3: for a second. All right. So, green Girls. Kenny, thank you for the link. I appreciate it.
4: Yeah, they also have an
9: exoskeleton that's for, uh, like, nurses to lift old people out of bed. So an that's a ex- good idea. An guess.
3: exoskeleton. Is that yeah, for when I... Iron that, Man. That's for when like, I want to go find Sarah Connor. Right. Exactly. All right, thank you. All right. So what is that show you were just talking about, Tim? Because I got lots to say about
4: that. Love Me, Love My Doll. I taped it last time I was going to watch it. It was on right after... Uh, Uh, plastic surgery freaks. Okay, so you watch the weirdest programming. Can I tell you
3: that there are times when I can't really figure out what you watch and what you don't, because usually you're just, what are you watching? Well, I'm watching a documentary on Mae West, and then the next I'm watching plastic
4: surgery freaks. That that guy who had all the plastic surgery was on the show. Which guy? That weird-looking guy, that hairdresser from L.A. who had, like, uh, you remember the guy's picture? People called us and asked where to find him. Oh, oh, uh, uh, um, um, Kajagugu, Stephen Kujagara, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stephen Kajagawa, <laughs> not going to work here anymore. That guy. Uh, did they have Jocelyn Wildenstein? No, but he admitted to being almost 50 years old. No. Yes. He's been having procedures since 1987. Good for him.
3: Um, oh, speaking of plastic surgery, I saw, saw bad another bad picture of Barry Manilow yesterday. Uh, as in The Globe. Uh, he and, is not uh, looking well. He doesn't look good. He doesn't. He's very bony at this point. Uh, and, I was, and quite by coincidence, when Laura and I got in the car to go home from the Willamette thing yesterday, my Barry Manilow Greatest Hit CD uh, came up, and we had a moment of sad contemplation about Barry. Uh, favorite Barry Manilow song? Go. I don't
5: know enough about Barry, Barry Manilow. To That's got to be fixed.
3: Song. We're going to do a Barry Manilow Top 5 next week. Copacabana. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm a big fan of um, Can't Smile Without You. Can't Smile Without You is just like one of the best songs. Oh, that's a cute song. Oh, it's the, one of the best songs I ever. That's a sing-along song. It is so, well, you know, and he always brings a lady from the audience up on stage to sing it with him every time you see Barry and Cotton, and he gives her a little videotape. Okay,
4: I've seen this show. I'm going to watch it tonight, so don't be a spoiler. It's...
3: What, what is there to spoil? It's grown men who hump dolls. I'm sorry. The, the end. Did I ruin
7: Surprise! it?
3: And then the robot kills them at the end. Did I give it all away? Yes. I've, I've seen... seen anyway, I don't care. No, no, no. I've seen this show. This is the one that BBC did. Yeah. Uh, and here's how I know that it's this... Because there have been a few documents. Like maybe like a real sex or whatever. has done shows on this. Uh, here's how I know it's this one. Because I remember this guy. This guy here is the biggest freak no he's he's the second biggest freak in the whole show. Cool. Um this guy I think he's a I think he's a British guy. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but they interview I mean I won't I won't give anything away. I mean I don't know what there is to give away but I will say this this show, Love Me, Love My Doll, uh BBC America, which you can also see on Google Video by the way, uh which is where I watched it. Um uh, so um uh let's see. Um for these men, their $10,000 lifelike built-to-order creations have replaced human women. Find out what makes these men tick as they give you a peek at life with their synthetic dream girls. I then my shrink at one point ask me. and like at, at one point, out of the blue and with no context at all, my shrink goes, have you ever heard of those real dolls? And I said, yeah, I saw this documentary about it on BBC. And he goes, hmm. And then he just moves on to talking about Ray Bradbury. Like, for no reason. Like it was sort of that real doll da, 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 da. Like I sort of got the idea that he really wanted to talk about it and was sort of fishing for somebody who shared his interest.
5: Did you tell him that we touched one once when we were at Fantasy Video?
3: Uh well we touched the cyberskin or whatever they call it, they make this out of. Okay. So let me talk about this documentary a little bit. Because mm-hmm. you really this is on BBC America tonight. Well it was on
4: last night, but I didn't have time to watch it because it was on late. Uh but that means it'll probably do they rerun stuff?
7: Yeah,
3: a lot of times. Okay, so BBC America, it is a documentary called Love Me, Love My Doll. It's mind blowing. It's unbelievable. And so I'm looking forward to you watching it tonight so we can talk about it tomorrow. I will say this. There's the whole rainbow in here. There's this guy who's a little bit freaky. They, though, in this documentary, they interview a guy who lives in, like, you know, Tumwater, you know, Hickville, wherever, like some West Virginia guy, some Appalachian guy, who has two of them, has two real dolls. He is the freakiest thing I've ever seen in my life. He's a guy, like, he's a guy who you see who, who's like coming in your window with a paring knife at night.
2: To lick your back.
3: Uh, to lick your back after he's cut it from the rest of your body. Uh, this guy that's in the real doll thing. You'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, because his interview contains, it's like him and one of the dolls is like chained to the wall. And it's him going like, with regular women, you've got to take care of their needs. With these, it's all about what I want. And then, oh, and, then and then he just stares at the camera. It's so freaky. Um, and he's got Metallica posters all over the wall, of course. Um, so there's that guy. There's this guy who is harmless but insane. This guy here. And is then that it, him with his doll? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, her. And her name is like he has. She has some really like weird exotic. She's kind of like Priscilla her.
2: Presley. From yeah. That angle. And he's.
3: Not a bad-looking guy. I mean, he's just sort of you, – you see him being interviewed, and, and he's a relatively handsome guy, I guess. Uh, he shows
5: Love Me, Love My Doll.
3: Yeah, Love Me, Love My Doll, but he's just clearly, like, not meant for interaction with humans. And he lives <laughs> with his dad. Um, but they have this one guy in there who was, like – he was in the RAF, the Royal Air Force, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's you know, this a British guy, obviously very successful. They show his house. He, like, paraglides. You know, he's got money. He's, again, a good-looking guy. He was in the military, uh, has money, stability and seems really normal and he's just like i don't know i just never hit never met a real girl that i that i hit it off with i just couldn't seem to find the right one but with matilda or whatever that's not a problem and then he and then it's like him out for a country drive with with the doll and then they go paragliding together it's the weirdest so documentary nuts. and then they interview the guy who repairs these the guy in like palo alto or whatever who just like where's the maytag hat no it's what we're like this guy here there's this uh he's the repairman no, no no this guy here is an owner this guy here but at one point he takes this doll his doll whose name is like whatever he he's like well her joints are getting a little hinky or whatever and he has to put her in a crate and send her off to like california to be fixed and then they show the guy in his garage in california like ratcheting the doll's joints tighter and like fixing her skin being like well it's a living and you know, then, like, putting it in a box and then being sent back to this guy. It, it is fascinating. It's, a, it's an a unbelievably fascinating documentary. It's called Love Me, Love My Doll. Uh, on BBC America. So, uh, Tim Riley's going to watch it tonight. Maybe you should as well. Mm
4: All right, here's Tim Riley. A 16-year-old boy facing concealed weapons charges after being arrested at the Gresham Max Station with a loaded 9mm pistol, an employee at the Zuma's clothing store at the nearby Gresham Station, called 911, after noticing the gun tucked in the boy's waistband while in the store. The employee watched him walk to, of course, the Max Station, and he was arrested, never threatened anybody, you know, my Max train had to slow down this morning because there was a mother deer and her baby on the tracks. Really? Yep. The man came on. There's nothing wrong with the train. We're trying to get the mother deer and the baby off the tracks. And you finally saw them right across the tracks and uh, back into the woods. Well, that's
3: that's the difference between your neighborhood and mine, by the way. Oh, that's um, true. <laughs> also... have been shot and eaten That. <laughs> well, but it's weird, though, like how... Um... Yes. I'm sorry, somebody just sent me the list. top five worst names to have in prison <laughs> Roger, me <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but here's the thing I would understand about the deer and the, and the baby being on the tracks Is that, like, if, you know, you're in the woods or whatever and you see a deer Like, you even breathe and they run away from you Why would they not run away from a train?
4: I guess uh, uh, it oh, did, eventually
3: But they're just sort of used to it?
4: Maybe so, it, go, it runs every ten minutes
3: well, okay, so that's, uh, yeah, so if it goes by all the time, maybe, maybe. How often does the train go by? So often you won't even notice it.
4: Maybe they've just sort of, uh. all right. Well, well you have it. I I the right next to the max. I don't even notice it.
3: Well, no, that seems true. So are you so different from a deer, Tim?
4: I don't think so. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, Nick Carter's mama was arrested this morning, allegedly after a real nasty divorce hearing. Jane Carter, also known as Jane Holcomb, also known as Jane Schneck, is divorcing some guy from Florida named John Holcomb. Apparently, uh, the Florida judge wants her in jail for not appearing, and he ordered a bench warrant. She was picked up today in Florida at a cemetery where the construction company she works was doing a project.
3: Okay. And this is where? Oh, damn it! I thought I was going to have you that time. No, sir. All right, choked on that one. All right, sorry about that. Thanks, Florida, Florida story.
6: Oh, damn it! No!
4: Talk about jumping the shark. A 15-year-old Florida boy has been hospitalized after he jumped on the surfboard and landed on the shark. No,
3: no, no, no. It
4: appears he actually uh, just put his foot right into the shark's mouth, said the victim's oh, mother, Tammy.
3: Wow, that's, that's, that's
4: unfortunate. It was just a straight shot. There are lots of deep cuts and lacerations yeah, I on would the boy. I would imagine. Uh, Troy Zettel was bitten by the shark in about 10 feet of water. The 15 year old boy landed on the shark and he was immediately bitten. There are cuts on his foot and leg. They're so severe, he'll have to have an operation on the right foot. He has some tendon damage. Jesus. Let's do one more and then we will take a break here. A rabbit saves his family in a fire. A pet rabbit is credited for saving a couple from a fire that swept through their home in the southern city of Melbourne, Australia. Uh, the woman and her husband just returned home from a family night and heard the family pet named Rabbit, appropriately. <laughs> Scratching at the couple's bedroom door about half an hour after they both uh, went to rest. The husband uh, apparently discovered a fire in the back room and smoke quickly spread to the house. He was able to escape the house with his wife unharmed. The rabbit saved the couple's lives. The blaze caused substantial injury to the house before it was extinguished, and the rabbit
3: is also fine. As a reward, their plan to kill and eat the rabbit has been postponed by one week. Let's take a break. And back after this, more from Tim Riley. Later on, um, Dorothy Carcassari. Uh, From the National Enquirer, we'll play this Corey Feldman uh, audio from Lost Boys to The Tribe. Uh, What else? Uh, Top five uh, ballads that ruined a band coming up. uh, More sound clip inventory. And uh, we'll talk to Richie Bristol about his upcoming uh, portrait. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Pick up the phone and call.
7: Your
0: number. 503-733-2970. This is the Rick Emerson Show, only on AM 970, The Talker.
3: Well, all right, then. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-329-70. 503 733 Brooke Hogan asked to pose nude in Playboy. I'm so wholly uninterested in seeing Brooke uh, Hogan nude. Hulk Hogan said Brooke, has been approached to pose uh, in an upcoming issue of Playboy. Her publishers is still the New York Daily News. The singer, 20, who is starring in her own reality show on VH1, calls Brooke knows best.
5: I saw that for the first time this weekend. Is it terrible? It was horribly addictive, just like most of those crappy reality shows are. It was. I did not dislike her. Really? I have to say, and that's. And usually, you know, people in those kind of cir- circumstances rub me the wrong way. I guess no, I, didn't,
3: I didn't dislike her. I'm distracted by how much she looks like Ashley Simpson. Uh, has already. Doesn't
5: a little Smurf butt chin, kind of.
3: <laughs> uh, let's see. I guess she appeared on the cover of F- FHM in a bikini at one point. Uh, blah blah blah. Brother Nick is in jail. Mother, mother. I didn't know this. Jesus. You probably know this. Hogan's family has gone through a great deal of controversy in the last year. Her brother Nick is serving time in jail for reckless driving, which I knew. Her mother is dating a 19-year-old classmate of Brooks. Wow.
5: That's all messed up, and it's showing them going through their um, divorce as well, because you know Hulk Hogan's now right. dating someone who looks exactly like Brooke Hogan, which is creepy. totally creepy. <laughs> and um, yeah, and it just shows the mom uh, like breaking down in tears like every five minutes, or she's hanging out with her. I feel, it's just. Wow. It's bad to watch.
3: And, and, and there you are, though, part of the problem. All
5: right. Bad for the soul. Hey, I watched it at a bar. All right.
3: I didn't pay it. So you didn't have to it. pay for it. <laughs> That's all right. I was talking to Peter Cardinal last night, who uh, who I think was still on some Xanax, because, again, they, they'd given him some Xanax to fly to L.A. for the critics thing, and I don't think he'd taken it. And then he was there, and he was trying to get things like he was trying to get writing done, and he had two different articles, and he had to talk to his family, and he had to go to a thing, and he had to whatever. And he said that he was having a great amount of difficulty making decisions. Like He was sitting there sort of just is sort of paralyzed by all the things he had to do and couldn't figure out what to do first. And, and as he described the story to him, he goes, so I thought to myself, the first thing I should do is take a Xanax. And so apparently he took a Xanax, and he had the same experience I think a lot of people do, whereas, so with Peter Carlin, the thing about the Xanax is, it, like, he completely quit caring, so he could just make the cold, hard decision emotionless. He was just like, nope, now I know what it is. So he could prioritize without having any emotional investment. So he got all this work done. Um, anyway, so so I think he was still a little... Jet lagged and quite possibly drunk, and he was certainly sweaty and unshaven. Uh, but he was really, you know how Peter's very laconic most of the time, though? He's really just like laid back and very mellow about the no, whole I see thing. Him. And, he's
5: always kind of spastic when I see him.
3: See, but maybe on the phone, he's one way, and in person, he's another, because I don't really see him in person a in, lot. Per, yeah,
5: in person, he's always kind of giddy.
3: He was, man, he was just wound up. He was just like jumping out of his skin last night. He looked a little a little he crazed. A
5: little, he was a little nuts.
3: So at one point, I was like asking him, I'm like, hey, so how was the critic thing? And he, and he was talking about how he met. Matthew uh, Weiner, the the guy who does Mad Men. Yes. By yes. by the way, he got to walk around the Mad Men set. Oh, that is so cool. And I, I I asked him, I said, how, I said, is it, what's it look like in person? He's like, dude, it is so righteous. Uh, and he couldn't get a photo taken because sort of, I guess you can't do that. But um, uh, and then he met David Simon, the guy who does Generation Kill and who did The Wire and whatever. So I told him that my wife and I had had gotten rid of cable for a while because everything we were watching was sort of gone but that I was going to, like, have to get cable again probably. But I told him that I – well, there's two levels of Peter Carlin's anger. One is I told him I got rid of cable, and it's like I had – it is like I'd shot a kitten in front of him. Because I said, I you know, my wife and I got rid of cable. And he's like, you what? And it's like – and that's only a slight exaggeration. It was like he was going to grab me by the lapels and punch me. So he just uncorked this whole barrage of hate in my direction because I got rid of cable. And he's like, but you're a pop culture archaeologist. And I said, well, I've been – watching stuff online and whatever and it's like he just couldn't be assuaged and so then I was you know I said, well you know he was you know we were trying to try to you know save up for vacation and it was you know a little expensive or whatever and he's like, what you don't write your cable television bill off on your taxes?" and I said well i I don't think I can do that and and, and, and which at that point he just became this Vesuvius of rage that I don't write my cable TV bill off on my taxes, which he claims I can do, Tim Riley Yes, partially. Now, do you write your... If I can ask, do you write your cable TV off?
4: And a lot of my utilities.
3: Parts of them. The, the, Peter Carlin's claim was that because I am I work in the media and because I have a pop culture-oriented show, he's like, any movie you see, any CD you buy, any cable television, you can write it all off. Like, he was just sort of... That's probably true. At one point, he was about th- three inches away from me, and he was just screaming into my face about it. It's like... It was like I told him... I mean, it, it, I, I don't know, it, 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 it's like I told him that my entire, I, I can't even think of what it was like. He was like more angry about, than I've ever seen him about anything at the fact that I don't write off my cable TV bill. And this is what it ended with. I wish, I, I wish so desperately that I had a tape of this. So as Peter Carlin is A, horrified that I don't have cable, B, enraged that I don't write my cable bill off of my taxes, he then says this. I swear to you on everything that is holy. This is what he then says. He's, and my wife was there to witness this whole thing. He looked at me and he goes, exactly how did he phrase this? He said, you know this war that's going on right now? You're
4: funding that.
3: And I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, because you're not making the government subsidize your cable, you're paying for the war. He said, every explosion you see in Iraq, you're paying for that, Rick Emerson. And he was like yelling at me like the war was my fault because I don't write my cable bill off. So, it, was just, it, was a, it off. Well, I, I guess so. Yes. If only so I can avoid the vengeful wrath of Peter Carlin, who really—I mean—it looked like he was going to take some sort of a, like a fish gutter to me. So, anyway, so kids, write off your right off your cable if you can. Otherwise, Peter Carlin will come to your house and kill you. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Yeah, their home office I- exemptions and things like that. Yeah, well, see, write off a lot of stuff.
3: I see, maybe maybe I got to get a different tax person because we had asked our tax person about that at one point. We mm-hmm. said, look, can, can we write off stuff like. TV and movies. And she just, she just said no. She's like, if you try to do that, they'll just they'll, you know, they'll laugh at you. She, she actually she didn't believe, and she knows what I do, uh, but uh, she didn't believe that I could do it in my end, so be, I guess maybe I should ask around and get different advice. Because my tax person had said she did not, not believe it was likely that they would grant me that write-off. All right. Well, I don't know what I'm talking Here's Tim Riley.
4: There are new zoo animals at the Oregon Zoo. Six brand new ones. This is part of the Predators of the Serengeti exhibit. They're rebuilding Africa at the zoo, and they brought in an Allen swamp monkey, four Columbus monkeys, also a Garanook, and three Spex gazelles. So uh, the African exhibits are bustling with activity. Uh, Some of these African monkeys come from Oklahoma and Kansas. How can... Well, never mind. (laughs) Never mind. That's fine. It's okay.
3: It's like how Baja California
4: is in Mexico. That's right. All right, well, whatever. There's also a Debrasis monkey named Debra. Okay. I'm not sure about the rest of these. The Spex gazelles, I'm not sure their names, or the Garinuk.
3: You know, I have no plans to go to the zoo ever, so it doesn't really matter. Don't, don't. A don't. I, no, I'm not, I'm going,
4: not going to. What somebody
3: that you don't Look, want these to. crazy
4: things eating things out of a tree. Well, it looks like an anteater, but walking upright. Yeah, that's a Garinuk. I mean, it's interesting and all, but
3: I mean...
5: But I'm saying to boyfriends, like, if your girlfriend is, is trying to convince you to have a kid, bring her to the zoo on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> because you will see babies on leashes, and, like, they're screaming, and moms are, like, have, they're smushing their babies against you as they're, like, running through crowds. It's Except, like the
4: animals are better behaved well, than the kids. Well,
3: totally. that's, that's
5: disgusting, and it'll scare you.
3: That's where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to compare children to animals.
5: No, they're on leashes, though. All right.
3: right. <laughs> can... are
5: babies on leashes running around everywhere, and they're, like, wrap themselves around your legs. At least like, you can cage an animal.
3: On. Uh, the, uh, no, the, the last, uh, the one and only time I've been to the Portland Zoo was for, uh, wasn't even for the Dan, it was for a show. I went to see the Indigo Girls there. And that was it. Uh, so, no, I have, uh, I have no plans for children, uh, or zoo going in any way. By the way, speaking of motherhood, um, never mind. I have to say, whoever's designing your friend, uh, Lisa's undergarments at this point, uh, really needs some sort of a Nobel Prize for engineering. I was just
5: writing my friend about how pretty Lisa looked yesterday. And wow. She's rocking some like Would double, you double a- E's, I think. Yeah.
3: I mean, that's really the cream of American you uh, architectural. You should have seen her before she
5: put the, stra- the sweater on.
3: I-, I cannot even imagine. I mean, that's like that's like designing the Grand Coulee Dam holding those things in. I mean, it's just. I'm they're just saying, huge. Yeah, they're they're really like bowling are. balls. Oh, i got to quit thinking about it. Here's Tim Riley.
4: So John McCain has taken a swipe at uh, Barack Obama for giving a speech in Germany. I'd love to give a speech in Germany, a
9: political speech, or that maybe the German people would be interested in. But I'd much prefer to do it as President of the United States rather than as a candidate for the office
3: of presidency.
4: But he would attract a crowd of 200,000. <laughs> no, no. Obama. Well, did you read?
3: He's at, he's at Schmidt's restaurant today. That's what Lisa said. He's at some place called Schmidt's restaurant, undoubtedly having like a potato pancake. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sitting there talking about the, you know, changing the oil in his car or something.
4: So uh, here he is talking to thousands of people in Berlin at the uh, Tiergarten Park. Although tonight I speak to you not as
11: a candidate for president, but as a donut, but as a citizen. <laughs> a proud citizen of the United States and a fellow citizen of the world.
4: He talked about uh, Germany and America.
11: While well, the 20th century taught us that we share a common destiny, the 21st century has revealed a world more intertwined than at any time in human history.
4: He talked about the historical importance of Berlin.
11: People of the world,
4: look at Berlin. Where a wall came down, a
11: continent came together, and history proved that there is no challenge too great for a world that stands as one.
4: I mean, that's how you consider Hitler. He really is ju- What? What about Hitler? Isn't that what people want to hear about? I don't know, Tim. What people? The German people. I don't think the German people want to hear about Hitler
3: anymore. <laughs> I think they're ready to move on. <laughs> Shouldn't they be reminded? <laughs> Maybe they've forgotten. <laughs> I think that's unlikely. Hey, uh, whatever happened to that guy? Uh, Hilter? What? Uh, 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 Schmittler? What was that guy's name?
4: It, it starts with an H. Anybody?
3: Um... Kevin Kevin Smith told this great story actually about um, going because he does this college tour where he kind of goes and he speaks and he does you know whatever does Q and A at colleges. But he was sort of doing this. This is Kevin Smith saying this. He was he was talking about how he, he hello 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 is that a Muppet? Hope that hello was a Muppet. Me. Not that your was stomach. That was my stomach. Um, but Kevin Smith talked about doing a college Q and A tour and how he had to go speak at Kent State. And, he was, you, know, that, you know, Kent State at this point really ought to change its name because, of course, you have to, like, Kent State, hey, how about that shooting? Like, it's just a thing, like, you can, you know, like, you have to ask, right? Um, didn't they change the name of Columbine High School? Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think they changed Columbine to something else. I or believe may, that. Or maybe they just bulldozed the library down. I think they might have gotten rid of the library. But he talked about, like, the people at Kent State, like, if you go to college there, you almost just don't want to tell anybody. You know, I mean? where'd you go, Kent State? Because everybody goes, mm. Get shot while you were there? Like everybody thinks that they're going to be the first, thing, you know. And so he was sort of saying that, he was sort of saying that, you know, that, that going to college at Kent State is like being a German, you know. Then no matter what you do, where are you from? I'm I'm from Germany. And then there's just a long pause, and you know, in their head they're thinking Nazi. Uh, all right, uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hung up just a moment too soon, sir. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
0: Okay. Two things. First off, uh, Sarah's friend uh, with the, uh, the the you know without pictures uh, they don't exist. So uh, we need some proof of this.
7: This. Okay. okay. I'll, well, I'll, I'll
3: I answer. would be wrong of me to say that. I'm not going to ask for pictures. I've of never Lisa's seen her books. rock a
5: tube top like that. So, like, she walked in, I'm just wow. like, holy God. It was, I, can
3: I tell you, she's a striking girl to begin with, very tall, very attractive, whatever, but th- 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 I, those are really beyond, <laughs>
5: sorry, wow. seriously,
3: they're, they're, like, beyond massive. It's unreal. I mean, it's like.
5: She looks like Jeff, real walking Jessica Rabbit.
3: She does. It's like. Oh a small my. waist is, and, like.
5: Long legs and enormous
3: boobs. They're so they're so big at this point, uh, because of the motherhood and all that it's like you almost have to like it's like you almost have to back up to kinda of take all of her in. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll look into that, sir. How can I help you? Yeah,
0: the, the city gives you a collective thanks on that one there. Hey, I was just thinking about, you know, writing off on the
11: taxes. You Richie ought to be able to write them whores off on his taxes.
3: If it's I ought to be able to write off Richie well I guess uh so so I so Richie ought to be able to write off his, his whores. And then, I, and then if I were to, uh, you know, if I were to purchase any, uh, you know, like horror related whatevers, then I could, so anything that even tangentially related to the show, Peter Carlin was insisting, uh, that I write off. You so. know,
0: you know, Richie's going down there. It's, it's been a bit now for at least a week on the, uh, on the radio. Uh, this is, uh, this is, this is quality entertainment right mm-hmm. here. And, uh, that's, uh, that's gonna save him, uh, you know, $900, uh, probably on, uh, on his taxes.
3: I mean, it's tempting now to do it just to see if they'll let me. So. You know,
0: Realistically, I think you should add a fourth one just because of the savings he's getting on his taxes.
3: (laughs) The more you buy, the more you save, sir. You can't afford not to get another whore. All right. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
10: Hi, yeah, I'm kind of offended by what you guys said about baby leashes. First off, they're not baby leashes. They're called safety harnesses, and they're very good for keeping Uh children who have a tendency to run into streets or to other things close by their parents. They're also a safety against other people just grabbing your kid when your back is turned.
3: Okay. Hi, how are you today? Hi, it's good to talk to you. Thanks so much for calling. How are you today?
10: I'm doing fine. Greetings. I just, hello. My child is one of those that runs, and I really get offended when people get mad at me for putting a, quote, leash on her.
3: How's your day when... going? Any of these things are acceptable greetings when you call, or you could just scream.
10: <laughs> I'm sorry. I do believe when you said hello that I was supposed to just go into what my topic would be.
3: And do you feel better having done so? Yes, I do. It's always good to point out the shortcomings of others, isn't it?
10: Well, you guys are calling people calling, saying that people are putting their kids on
5: leashes. And well, they are leashes. Going Look,
3: on. here's the thing: as Doctor Hibbert once said, hillb- me kids hold do that. that, hold on, me kids hold do you that. that.
5: You know the answer. Hold, hold,
3: hold on, just a moment. As somebody once said, you can call it a leash, you can call it a child safety harness, and hillbillies can ask to be called sons of the soil, but it's not going to happen.
10: Whatever, you're just promoting an ignorant belief. And an ignorant thought when you're putting people down for putting them on their Here's shelter. the
3: thing. All I'm saying is this. If there's a thing you have attached to your hand and it's a long tether attached to something else, that's a leash. I mean, maybe you can be glad you got it. You can be glad it serves some purpose. It's still a leash.
10: She was very, very much implying that people were horrible people for putting their kids on these leashes. Well, Well,
5: it wasn't horrible. It was just it was very crowded, and there were babies strapped on the fronts of people, on the back of them, on like a leash on either hand, you know, and just like. Have you ever had a child taken from you?
3: I will also say, let me just. Well, first of all, she had. Have you ever had
5: a child taken from you?
3: Here you can. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can either ask the question, or you can let us answer, or you can interrupt us. You can't do all three.
10: Well you haven't answered any of my questions. I asked if you ever had any children.
3: Do I get to answer any of these? I'm really trying to be positive about this, but here's the thing. You're doing that you're doing that thing where you ask the question and then you sort of shout before there's any pause. So just let me know the direction the conversation's gonna go and then I can sort of play that way. Take as much time as you need. Do you
10: want me to say something now or do you want me to keep quiet while you pause?
3: Do I get a choice?
10: Okay, goodbye.
5: I'll just quit listening.
3: Thank you. You'll be missed.
5: What happened to hand I wanted to ask her what happened to hands. Seriously. Like
3: my, my
4: parents... <laughs> well, that we was what I was going to say. Choices. I can count
3: on zero fingers the number of times I was kidnapped, and I wasn't on the end of a leash. That's all I was going to say. Is that
4: a leash or a bridle?
3: Uh, no, a bridle is what you put on a horse. A horse. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, a, you know, it's unfortunate that God didn't give you anything, maybe at the end of your arms, to hold on to your kids with. So, and I know you are still listening. And by the way, it's just that, that I would like for everybody to note that I tried very hard to remain level headed through the call. I tried very hard to engage in a duologue with that woman, but clearly there was going to be no point where she actually allowed me to talk.
5: Well, and yeah. she's being very offended by something when I'm just, I'm not saying, ew, it's gross. I'm simply saying, it's a good factor of birth control as you're tripping over these kids. Seriously, I who mean. their
2: parents aren't paying attention you know because what? they're uh, being dragged back with the, by the leashes. Leash your kid, don't leash
3: your kid. It doesn't matter. A kid belongs to you. You can do what you want. I'm saying it's a leash. I'm, maybe you're, you know, maybe you feel it's a thing you need to do as a parent. Maybe you don't. Uh, but let's not delude ourselves uh, by the ham-handed use of the English language. It's, I'm going to look up leash right now. I'm going to look up, you know what? I'm not going to look up leash.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to look know up answer. leash because
3: I, know, because I know what a leash is. So. I tried very hard to sort of remain calm through the whole call.
5: I just don't understand her point of contention. Well, there were no look. I mean, we're not going
3: to talk about it anymore if she's not going to listen. And I hate to be this guy, but as as Sarah was just noting, you know, th- there were no leashes for oh, I don't know, th- the last fifty thousand years of human history. I had
5: I had a, a glorious childhood of going to many parks and zoos and everything, and my parents, you know what? They held my hand.
3: Uh, you know, your parents hold your hand, or you know, they what's that thing? They watch you. So, if you are unable or unwilling and I'm suspecting it's the latter, to pay attention to a child you chose to have, then you know what? That is not my problem. If you are unwilling or unable to hold your child's hand, hold your child, keep an eye on your child, or you know what? Just wait until your child is old enough before you take him out in a place filled with thousands of strangers. Then I guess you might have to leash up your kids.
5: See, and it's not a it's not a bad parenting thing if you choose to have a leash yes. your child. But I mean, a lot, a great majority of the people when I was at the zoo last time, I was tripping over their c- children because they're walking with another baby strapped to the front mm. of them, dragging their kids behind them, with like forming basically like a barrier between them and the kids that you will like walk into and you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure I mean, adults
4: down. only day at the zoo. I mean, oh, seriously,
3: I mean, or maybe day. a license to have children. Hmm. Mm, all right. Well, in any event, you're listening to Casey. We're not going to let
5: her anger affect us. Well,
3: seriously, get bent, lady. No. Like, right. don't,
5: don't call and be angry. Be no happy. one ruins my day. And, you know,
3: here's the thing. There is, no, there is no surer way to convince us that you will remain listening than to tell us you're not going to listen anymore. It's like that guy that called like a few weeks ago. and He's like, as long as you have Timmy Ryan on, I'm not listening anymore. Which, of course, is like the most patently unbelievable. That is what the British legal system would call a transparent falsehood. So people who, here's the, people who aren't going to listen, don't call to tell you that. They just stop listening. So if you call and tell us you're not going to listen anymore, what that really means is you're going to be listening with rapt attention to every second that we discuss you and your life.
4: And Timmy Ryan is specially chosen to be on the air. There he, he, is. he is. By Tim Riley. Tim Riley has Tim
3: made Riley that is decision. Tim Riley Timmy
5: can... Ryan advocate. Timmy
3: I... Ryan ought to be leashed.
5: Um... <laughs> can we please put Timmy Ryan on a leash?
3: Here's the thing. A harness, a harness. Sarah. safety harness. harness.
5: Muppet, I need Richie to take Muppet you know, just, on his harness. Just for that, I'm going go to start to referring and...
3: to my dog as my child for the rest of the day. Just for you, whoever you were. Uh, so,
7: um... Is it angry? No,
3: no, no, no. Here's the thing. I'm looking at the screen, and it's like a bunch of leash calls, of course. So, I don't even know whether people are going to be us uh, or against on this.
5: It, well, can you just please clarify that we're not saying people with leashes are bad parents? I,
3: like, I'm not saying they're bad parents. I'm saying it, it does seem like a thing... It doesn't seem like it does seem like a thing that wasn't necessary uh, until some time ago. Now, now maybe baby napping has just gone through the roof or or whatever. Uh, I do
4: bring my dog to an off-leash park every so often.
3: Well, but you know, and here's the other thing, and I know that like radio consultants, you're not supposed to talk about callers after they hung up. The 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 woman feigning, I hope, ignorance uh, about whether we have kids. Is just like, it's just like every, like, scabby-ass woman that calls Tom Likas. and goes, well, how many times have you been married? And you know they know the answer.
5: That's exactly, that was my point when she said that. She's like, hey, do you have kids? Have you I'm like, no, you know that we don't yeah, know Yeah, and
3: sometimes. when you call Likas, are you married? Then, and Tom goes, you know that I'm divorced. Don't pretend you because don't know. Because we
5: haven't said the phone number in the past 45 minutes, which means she's been looking since at all least right. the last break. Which means that she knows.
3: So, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, do, do we want to take leash calls even if they're for us? No. Well, let's just let's say what. Let's because we are. It is a local, relatable, and live program on kscm Portland, and because we don't have anything else scheduled this hour, we don't have any other news and whatever. Eh, let's just go through this one bank of calls, see what they're about, and then we'll move on with something else. Just never let it be said that Rick Emerson doesn't, you know, talk to the people. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, it's me. Yes, it is. Hello, sir.
9: How dare that lady come on and blast my radio god like that?
3: Well, I'm just saying.
9: Well, if uh, i got to say this. If your kid has a tendency to run, have a tendency to watch them.
3: <laughs> there you go. Thank you, my friend.
9: Thank you. Thank you.
3: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson We'll do one bank of calls on this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
11: Leases are for dogs. Got to go. Bye.
3: Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
11: Yeah, you know, I had kids, went to Multnomah Falls, and didn't need a leash.
3: And that's a place where they could fall and be swept away to their doom, and they didn't need a leash.
9: Absolutely. They yeah. listened. That's why.
3: Well, that's – but you know what it is? It's, it's, it is – and again, I – you know what? Okay, you can't say that, however true it might be in your estimation. Okay, so. Um, I will say this, um, that it is – it is not unla- – in my opinion, it is not unlike the parent who gets angry when you point out uh, that her kid is running around a restaurant screeching like a troll. Uh, and it's because they cannot control their kids, and so therefore they want to project it all over everybody else. In okay. my experience, that's that's the mindset of people like that woman. And again, just based on my experience, is people who can't control their kids, the kids don't obey, the kids are, are, are mutants, uh, and the parents can't get them under control. And so they want everybody else to sort of be the unwitting recipient of all of their angst,
11: okay, so she 's jealous because she can 't get her kids under control
3: that 's what i 'm saying all right, thank you, my friend
5: yeah. i don't think that it has anything to do with children or leashes, just like that woman was very unpleasant that 's just, just the one thing she could have been screaming yeah. about taxes or gas it 's just like don't call don 't call in and like do a radio show and just scream it's just it 's just uncomfortable for everybody yes doesn 't have to do with your babies on leashes
3: babies on leashes. not to be confused with babies on spikes
4: babies on leashes
3: all right uh let's see hi you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello hey guys what's up
9: uh you know i'm I'm not really calling about leashes
3: good for you um, sir thank you
9: i I just want to say i i really i love you guys you guys put on a really good show is part of the highlight of my of my day
3: well, thank you my friend
9: um I also wanted to say. Morgan Grace, who recently thanked you in, on the, in the, uh, sleeve of her latest. Yeah,
3: album. and, uh, her liner notes of her new CD. Yeah, they, she mentioned us very, she was, uh, very nice, gave us a very nice mention.
9: Yeah. She, she's doing a, uh, she's doing a show at Kelly's Olympian Kelly's Olympian tonight. tonight. And it's her birthday. I so. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So everybody kind of go out there and, and just, Wish her a happy birthday and enjoy the show. She's good to be set. All right, thank you, my Olympian?
3: friend. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I meant to mention. I saw that last night when we were driving home from the Willamette thing. Because I'm
5: going to the Timbers game and I can just swing back by there after the Timbers game. It's right
3: there, like Fifth and Alder, something like that.
5: Yeah, right next to the big purple octopus.
3: Uh, yeah. Kelly's Olympian tonight. Uh, the one and only Morgan Grace, and I, I didn't know it was her birthday, but her uh, birthday is, is tonight. So go by and uh, tell her howdy and hello uh, from us. Uh, you will not regret it. All right. Here's Tim Riley, at the Ministry of Truth.
4: What were we doing? Uh, Jesus, I, oh, don't I, know. I, I, I want to tell you, John McCain is dining right now at Schmidt's Sausage House in Columbus, Ohio's German Village. That's where the common people are, Tim. Mm-hmm. The everyday working man. Yes. All right. So that's as close as he's getting to the Germans today. Well, that's, oh
3: wait, I never even really put that together. That while Barack Obama is in Germany, John McCain is in Ohio at a German restaurant. That's correct.
4: I, I see. His, his people told him to go there.
3: Did they think it was going to be
4: clever? I guess so.
3: It's not. It's, there's nothing clever that's about that. That's nice. just sad. Mm-hmm. But I mean it's like I remember during the whole uh, the two thousand uh, recount fiasco. Oh by the way, I just I over this weekend Laura and I watched finally that recount movie with Kevin Spacey and uh Dennis Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary, the, the rescue me guy. Yeah, that's
4: Dennis. Leary. No,
3: not Dennis Leary.
4: Isn't Dennis Leary the hippie me? guy?
3: Wait, who's who am I thinking Timothy Leary? So, not Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary in uh yeah, Dennis Leary and Kevin Spacey are in this uh, this re- this recount movie, the made for HP movie. And it's it's two hours it's I should say this, it's a great movie, it really is. Our friend uh, our friend Thomas dropped it off for us on DVD. It's a great movie. Uh it's two hours, flies by, it's really entertaining, but god damn, it, you get five minutes into that and your stress level I I, I mean that it did two thousand elections eight years ago, it's almost a decade ago. I mean George Bush is almost out of office at this point. Um one hopes, uh, but but I mean we're watching it and we're not even f- because they get right to it. Like you're watching that recount movie, and about eight minutes into the film, there's a whole we got a problem in Palm County, Florida, you know, or whatever, Palm Springs or whatever it is. Uh, you know, there's there's you know we, d- ballot issues in Dade County, and that's about nine minutes into the film, and immediately I looked at Lara and we were both kind of tensing up, and it's like a two hour with like all of that just sort of like. Weird stress and angst the country went through during that whole I mean you forget exactly what a zoo this whole country became during the few weeks of that two thousand election. It was insane, and it all just kind of comes flooding and at the end of it, we were just exhausted, so it's a great movie, but boy, watch it on a day that watch it with a bottle of wine that's how she that's how she watched it Over with a box of wine she uh which uh, some why I wrote this down some why that my my wife referred to as quote. This is a really classic gourmet. This is a, no, not classy, This is a gourmet boxed wine. So, all right, here's Tim Riley.
5: I love Lara for saying
3: that. Uh huh. It's a gourmet boxed wine. Gourmet. Gourmet. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Well, it turns out the man struck by columnist Robert Novak in Washington D.C. is not 66. He's 86. Oh. He's elderly and homeless. He's still in the wow. hospital. He, he's sitting up and taking liquid and uh, speaking with social workers. A bicyclist David Bono flagged Novak down right after the accident.
9: I followed on my bike. I had to go quite fast. And I got my bike in front of the car and turned it sideways
11: to
2: stop him.
4: He can't imagine that Novak didn't know that he hit somebody. There was
11: a pedestrian splayed on his windshield. I don't think there's any way you could miss
3: that. Splayed on his windshield. Mm -hmm. That's all worth it for that phrase right there.
4: Back in 2004, Novak was cruising along when, according to a lawsuit, he failed to obey a red light. He entered onto an intersection at a high rate of speed and violently struck a motor vehicle being operated by a plaintiff named Chad Clark. The suit was settled in 2006, Clark uh, claims severe, painful, and permanent injuries of body and mind. He sued for $100,000. An 86-year-old homeless guy.
3: Yeah. Robert Novak.
4: Who was not drunk. No. All and he feels terrible about it. He feels terrible. He feels, terrible. He he feels a, awful a about,
3: about it. man of extreme feelings. All right, here's so, Tim Riley.
4: A man opposing airport expansion superglued himself to British Prime Minister Gordon Brown during a reception. The BBC reports Don Glass was about to receive a report from the Prime Minister when he shook his hand and carried out the deed. I've
9: actually just superglued myself to the buttons of the Prime Minister. When the, do not worry, it's a non-violent process. But if you do, pull your feet away, it really helps me. me. I don't understand anything no. you say. We, <laughs> cannot, we cannot take away climate change like we can to so take
3: away my arm. We can't be trying to say... <laughs> and then it just ends.
4: It's just a bunch of gibberish and then nothing. Now, can you play that again? Certainly. That's fantastic. So he super glued himself to the Prime Minister. I've
9: actually just superglued myself to the buttons of the Prime Minister. Remember, do not worry. It's a non-violent protest. So if you do, pull your feet away, it really has not so Please please with me. This is just to say that we cannot we take away climate change like we can't shake away my arm. We can't be trying to
3: Okay. Well, there you go. So there's that guy who did a thing. He's sort of the soy bomb uh, guy of Britain, apparently. Yes. Uh, by the way, here's somebody who wants me to know that uh, he works in the adult entertainment industry, and he says, I write off dildos and astroglide. All right. Good for you, sir. Here's Tim Riley.
4: The area north of the Arctic Circle has an estimated 90 billion barrels of undiscovered oil. That, according to a new report released by the U.S. Geographical Society, scientist Brenda Pierce said this report is historic.
2: The first ever publicly available resource estimate of petroleum resources, that is oil, gas, and natural gas liquids, of all areas north of the Arctic Circle. These resources account for about 22% of the undiscovered, technically recoverable resources in the world.
4: Doesn't matter. They're gonna screw us anyway. The report shows 25 areas above the Arctic Circle have enormous fuel
2: potential: 90 billion barrels of undiscovered technically recoverable oil, 1,670 trillion cubic feet of technically recoverable natural gas, and 44 billion barrels of technically recoverable natural gas liquid.
4: It'll all be sold to you, the general public, at bargain basement
3: prices. I don't understand anything that she was talking about there. I don't know. What do we use natural gas for? I know that sounds dumb. Natural
4: what? gas? Yeah. What's uh, that for? Like heating and he- heating, heating your home. Heating and uh, gas
3: stove. Now can, you, now, can you run a car on that? I suppose you could, yes. Does natural When you burn natural gas, it do something bad to the air, the environment, or whatever? Probably. Doesn't everything. <laughs> yes. everything. I guess if you're burning anything, mm-hmm. I mean, just burning things in general seems like it's probably not good for the world. Mm-hmm. All right, so everything we do is going to be bad. Yes. Well, see, that makes it a lot easier, though. You know what I mean? Uh, that's just sort of just zeroes out the equation for you. All right, here's Tim Riley.
4: The Ford border cabinet is changing several plants from producing trucks to small cars. Uh, industry analyst Jim Hall says U.S. consumers uh, don't necessarily prefer just a small car, but they want something uh, very fuel-efficient.
9: The is, this gets them uh, some, some high-efficiency cars quickly, but Americans generally are not looking for small cars. What they really, really want is a car that's very fuel-efficient.
4: Now, let's see if that comes about. Mm. Uh, Ford is stepping up production of its hybrid vehicles. Who knew they had them?
9: Well, they said they're doubling their, their offerings of hybrids, You know, this really looks like they're going to be doing the long-rumored Fusion uh, midsize hybrid vehicle because they got the drivetrain. That's the kind of product they need.
3: What is a Fusion vehicle? Is that like my Fusion? It's like my racer at home? Is it just a car that vibrates? It is. It's orange. A Fusion? Is that if, if Fusion... Because hybrid is... The, okay, stop now. I'm just gibbering myself into a frenzy. Is hybrid a patented term? No. In other words, is hybrid no. not a brand name? So no. what's the difference between a hybrid vehicle and a fusion vehicle?
4: Well, a hybrid is gas and some other source of power. What like is a, a fusion vehicle? I don't know. So is a fusion vehicle, do you suppose, different from a hybrid? I would imagine They
5: sound so, like yeah. the same thing, because a hybrid is mixing and a fusion is mixing.
3: Yes, it is. So I'm wondering, is fusion just like some weird a patented... Is fusion like search with Retson or whatever? Which really it really sh- like something that the Jetson would drive. <laughs> it, it, it does. Um, I hesitate to read any of these emails because it's all going to be about the leashing and the so forth. These
4: are hydrogen fusion vehicles, so these hydrogen.
3: Oh, so it's hydrogen and gas, not electricity and gas. Mm-hmm. Well, this is so BMW has. It. This is a thing that they sell in Germany right now.
4: Okay, well, I'm looking at one fusion vehicle here that only gets 20 miles to a gallon. Well, that's, that's a great. big help for everyone. It's
3: a fusion between your cash and the gas station. Uh, Rick, if leashes on kids are actually harnesses, then muzzles on shrill, self-righteous mommies are merely regulatory volume devices, says Dan. All right, well, at our own peril, perhaps we'll take some of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
9: Hey, how you guys doing? What's up? Hi. Hey, I just wanted to let you guys know that we all love you, and that lady was just totally mean to you and that sucks
3: well it's okay it's uh it hurt a lot of feelings <laughs> sam um, as you can tell it's really it's as you can tell it's really it's permanently devastated this i mean what are you gonna do i think we don't typically do that kind of a show where it's just yeah. a bunch of strident shrill harpies kind of calling up but you know what are you gonna do it's uh every every now and again it does happen
9: well you know this, this observation might have been made I, I i i just bounce in and out of the show but uh like whenever i think of leased children i always think of that snl skit with uh mike myers and uh, nicole kidman
3: which i don't, I don't think i know
9: um well it was a uh, uh mike myers was a, a hyperactive kid and, and his, his mom leashed him to this to this uh, jungle gym and uh and you know he's just like explaining to nicole kidman how he's uh how he can't have sweets because you know he's hyperactive and then nicole kidman gives him a chocolate bar and the next scene you see is like mike myers like running down the street like on a leash with with a jungle gym just dragging behind him.
3: Fantastic. All right, then. I always like to update my cultural literacy. Thank you, sir. Yes. All right. Have a good one. Thank you, my friend. Aaron
5: sent the greatest sign that at the Russell Street Barbecue, they have a sign that says unattended kids will be given a double espresso and a puppy and sent home.
3: That's great. I have, uh, let's see, what is the, uh, there's some restaurant, I think, that's actually in Portland where they do, where they have something like that, where it's like unattended kids. It's like they give them something. It's like they give them a double milk or something. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, what's going on? What's up? Rick was
9: uh, working. Uh, she's a med student, and regardless, came across a business card that uh, – you know those Evite uh, invitations you can get? Yes, sir. Yeah, well, these are Evites for, hey, I've got an STD. You might want to get checked.
3: <laughs> that's awkward. <laughs> In-spot,
9: Inspot.org forward slash Portland. That's it all
3: of, So that's that's sort of a reverse invitation.
9: It kind of is, like, one says uh, it's got a picture of a, like, screw that you would screw to the wall. and says, I got screwed while screwing. You might want to get checked, too. Well,
3: yeah. And then insert your personal message there. I'll skip the obvious insert joke here. All right. Oh, yeah. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Right. This guy says um, the Fusion is actually not a technology. It's the uh, It is the name of the model of the car, apparently. Uh, so it is not, uh, so I guess it's, because they've had that hydrogen, thing I think this is BMWs, they have those hydrogen uh, cells or whatever. Let's do uh, one more here, and we'll probably take a break here in a second, because we're a little behind. And then we'll come back, we'll do more news uh, with Tim Riley. Here's uh, this guy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir madam, as the case may be. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up, brother?
11: Hey, because I'm morbid after the, I saw the new Batman movie, which, by the way, is fantastic. There's is. nothing more to be said, but... Uh, I, uh, I went back to listen to your guys' show when you broke the news about, uh, Heath Ledger passing away. I And it was, it was, I, I don't know if you've listened, to it, it's really interesting, but when you were looking in, in your panic uh, looking for the breaking news center, you played a, a clown horn.
7: Oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah I forgot about work, that,
11: you did. And I thought, boy, that's, that's, that's awfully strange, <laughs> but, uh, you, you made some very poignant comments, and, uh, it was just, it was really interesting in hindsight to go back to, uh, to listen to that, and uh, it was it was handled very well and with with much class. Now, uh, as we are like six months later, that well, that's that's uh, appreciate that.
3: that's because we're a that's because we're a news outlet, sir, who takes such things seriously.
4: And of course, we're, we're leashed as children. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's well, because it, we're not mentally stunted because of our overly obsessive parents.
11: And, and, and just about that, I mean, I have I have one child, and he likes to run, and I, I do this thing called hold his hand, and then when he tries to run, he doesn't like get away. From that's me. crazy it, talk. It, it's
3: insane. All Thanks, Rick. Thank you, sir. I was actually just thinking about the Heath Ledger thing the other day, too. I remember, it seems hard to believe, six months ago. I remember exactly where we were. I was going to say I remember exactly where we were, where we were sitting. Where
5: were we, Rick?
3: <laughs> and then you just cut to a static shot of us, exactly where we are here. Uh, but I, I remember Tim coming in and saying... And
5: the guy that you bought the radio
3: for was yeah. here as well. And say, Yeah, exactly. And saying, uh, actor Heath Ledger has been found dead in his New York apartment. I remember... He the, said
5: breaking news, and you're just like, is it funny breaking news, or is it sad? And then Tim said, oh, it's sad. And
3: then I hit the clown horn by mistake, which is And sort I tried of... not
5: to cry, because I just watched 10 uh, Things I Hate About You yeah. the day before.
3: Yeah. So, anyway. Well, it's just... I don't know. It is, its It's... It's weird. That's just um, a
5: bummer. Still, it is.
3: I mean, it really is. And I mean, I'll probably I'll probably see that movie a couple more times. I was gonna try to see it tonight. I don't know if it's gonna happen or not. But I was I'm gonna. I'm gonna try. I'll, I'll see The Dark Knight a few more times in the theater, certainly. And just you watch it, and you just. I mean, again, you know, it is a morbid thing to. If uh, they say, but I mean, really, just I guess if you gotta go out, man. I mean, that's a, that's a way. It's a great role to go out on. I mean, I guess, I suppose, if one has to die, uh, if if the sort of fate, if the sort of turn of the karmic wheel or the fate wheel or whatever it is, if you're gonna go out at 28, I guess. I guess there are I guess there are worse ways to go out than with like the role of a lifetime. So I mean, you know, better that than Street Fighter Three. Let's do one more and then we'll break.
4: Say, who remembers that there was an Apollo 14? Not me. Well, there was one. Uh, one of the astronauts and the moonwalker on that mission, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, has stunningly claimed aliens exist. He said they visited Earth on several occasions, but they've been uh, repeatedly uh, covering up their visits, all done by the government for some six decades. This astronaut says. Uh, our technology is not nearly as sophisticated as theirs and had they been hostile we've all would have been gone by now <laughs> wow he says, I happen to be uh, privileged enough to be uh, in on the fact that we've been visited on this planet and the uh, UFO, UFO, UFO phenomenon, the UFO phenomenon. <laughs> it's real. Uh, they've been carrying Don't it out all on the government It's been uh, leaking out slowly. I've been in the military and intelligence circles, and we know that uh, beneath the surface of what the public knowledge is, yes, we have been visited. Reading the papers recently is happening quite a bit. So uh, he was on Apollo 14.
3: Now, is he making Apollo 14 up? I, don't I mean, it, obviously, he's crazy. I mean, is he yeah. making up? He's the Red well, he's, he's 77. He's set Well. And he's still a doctor. He's 77. So he he's was still
5: on... a licensed practitioner.
3: A uh, doctor, but I don't know. So wait, wait so wait. He, so he was, he... let me understand this. So there's a whole lot of
4: crazy in the start He was on the
3: moon. He was on the Mark you out. Well, no, but I thought only Neil Armstrong and those guys went to the moon. How many people, I thought there was only one trip to the
7: moon.
4: No, there were a few trips to the moon. Remember, the uh, Alan Shepard was playing golf on the moon. There was more than one trip on the moon. That wasn't the same trip? No, that was a different trip. I thought
5: there was only one trip. No,
3: See, no, See, no. the thing is, that maybe maybe it's because I'm a dumb American. I only thought there was... I thought it was Neil Armstrong and Alan Shepard. Well, Alan Shepard was not on that mission. Okay, so that's a separate mission. Yes. See, you know this is what I get? This is what I get for not finishing that Ron Howard documentary. Uh, from which I learn everything. Well, so
5: Clyde doesn't think manned landed on the moon, does he? Not think that it, it didn't happen that first time, or does he not think ever?
3: God, who knows? It's once you get into that funhouse maze, there's just no getting out. Um, Are right, there so six manned landings on the moon. I uh, see. I had no idea. Now, I knew falls... that,
4: well, nobody was interested until Apollo thirteen came along.
3: Well, and I knew that we. Well, it's not just that. It's like I think in America, you, you there's so much attention paid to being the first. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, smart guy: Who was the second American to orbit the Earth? Nobody knows. Why? Because you only know...
4: Uh, uh, no, wait, 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 wait. Uh, okay, so it was Alan <laughs> Shepard, wasn't it? No, he was the first. See, that's... But, wait, No, but who's... The... Maybe it was Gus Grissom.
3: No, 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 that's... No, it wasn't Gus Grissom. It wasn't no, Gus... that's... I don't think that's true. <laughs> See, now none of us even know. I'm quizzing you as though I know the answer. Okay, let's back up. Yuri Gagarin, first person in space. Yes. He, he orbited the Earth, did he not? I believe so. Yuri Gagarin, first American in space... Alan Shepard. Alan Shepard. Did he orbit the Earth, or did no, he just he go he up and come straight back down? went up and
4: came back down.
3: First man, first American to orbit the Earth. Oh, boy. First American to orbit the Earth was not Alan Shepard. It no. was, and it wasn't John Glenn, or was it? Well, or was it? I think it might have been John okay, Glenn. Okay, so first, no one cares about this, really. This is a thing you and me and, like, three science nerds care about. Yuri Gagarin, first man in space, yes. uh, Soviet. Yes. Uh, first American in space, John Glenn, the first American to orbit the Earth. First American in space, though Alan Shepard, first yes. American to orbit the Earth. John Glenn, second man, to, second American to orbit the Earth. See, I'm mean, we can find an eventually, but none of us know because. Th- so I'm using this as justification for not knowing anything about subsequent m- moon missions. Yes. Because I really, as an American, I really only know Neil Armstrong going one small step. You know, that. That's all I know. Uh, but we went back six different times or five different times? Yes, so. What Like, for what reason? What is there? What What is it we, what, what well, is it we they needed brought, to do in the moon? They, they brought moon rocks back to the earth
4: to show around schools. How many moon rocks could one possibly need? It seems like that's wasted money. We got a piece of moon dust under a piece of magnifying glass, and they were passing it around class. Did you
3: ever get to look at the moon rock?
4: Yeah. I'm
3: really jealous. I never got to do it that. Was,
4: it was barely a rock. It was a speck on something this big. Yeah, but, I mean, I never even got to see the speck. Uh, all right. Maybe it, it didn't go this far west.
3: Maybe. All right. So, moving on. So then there was Apollo thirteen, which is the one that everybody knows because of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I'll see. I'll be much more informed in a couple of days after I've seen this Ron Howard documentary. Then I'll know what I'm talking about. So this is Apollo fourteen. Yes. And this guy was on Apollo fourteen, mm-hmm. which apparently is real, and he says that there were aliens.
4: Yes. Now this Apollo fourteen. Touchdown, February 5th, 1971. It was the third mission to land on the moon.
3: Apollo 14. Yes. Yeah, I think by that point, everybody had just quit caring. Yeah. So, all right.
4: Well, that's like... And the crew, Alan Shepard, Stuart Rusa. who knew... Oh, he was a command module pilot. That's why those guys never remembered. Only the people who go to the moon are... Rem- and this guy that we were just talking about, Edward D. Mitchell, he was the lunar module pilot.
3: Let me ask you this. Here's an, okay, here's a little moon quiz for you, Tim. Sarah's so uninterested in this whole thing. Who? Okay, Neil Armstrong, <laughs> first man on the moon. All the
5: testosterone
3: in the room. Who was the second man to set foot on the moon? That was Buzz Aldrin. See, was it? I don't, I don't really yeah. know. I I'm doing this whole thing of... this. I'm on a whole pattern of quizzing you about things where I don't know the answer. You can just tell well, me well, anything. It, Humpty Dumpty. challenging. I, I, I just saw their, their star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame a few months ago. In that song, I Jim J. Bullock? No. But they have a star in the Walk of Fame? Yeah.
7: But well, they, that doesn't make any sense. Why do the, are the astronauts have a star
3: on the Walk of Fame? It's
4: it's more of a monument
3: than a star. Oh, but it's not an actual star.
4: No. All right. Okay.
3: Well, there you go. And we're done. Uh, so he says they're aliens. Yeah. Oh, well, that's not... I mean... Whatever. You don't believe in aliens? It's not that I don't believe in aliens. I don't really believe that we've... Uh, Here's the thing. Mathematically speaking, there are probably... Well, I would say this. Uh, It seems to me, what with my advanced degree in astrophysics, mathematically speaking, it seems likely there are other life forms. I'll give you that. I mean, you know, billion, jillion planets out there. It seems like there's probably aliens. I don't know that I buy that they visited us because it seems like... Here's Here's the way I've always felt about aliens visiting Earth. I should say, I don't believe that we're probably the only uh, creatures in the... Because that seems like the height of arrogance. We're, like, we're the only things in the... We're so special, there's only one planet of us. Well, there's an uh, Apollo 15, too. How many Apollos are there? That's a good question. <laughs> Sounds like a setup to a joke. Um, anyway, but, uh, my, my thing is, I should. there's two separate issues. A, the, the creation is just so vast it does seem likely there's got to be other living things, right? I mean, I, I, think everybody, I think you'd have to be a tool to say that there aren't other living things somewhere. Clearly mm-hmm. there is just too many other things.
5: So it says there were nine manned missions to the moon, but only six landings on the moon, and this yeah. is Apollos 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Well,
3: that's going to suck. What if you were one of the guys who was like, get, got to see the moon, but then you didn't get to land? What was that? What's that? Yeah, what so my, 11, that? What is the point of that even? Why would that they that send would be you? Apollo 13. Oh, because they were like, they tried to land, and then, ah, crap. Is that where they go, like, fellas, we just lost the moon? That's right. the moment, right? Right.
5: Yeah, so all 11, right. 12, 14, 15, 16, and 17 all landed.
3: All right, let me answer the alien question. So, <laughs> well, you asked me if I believed in aliens, and I'm going to draw a distinction, because, okay. uh, because it's easy to make fun of guys who say we've seen aliens whatever. But uh, So, I'd say that creation is so big, there's probably other living things out there. I don't know if they look like us or not. I mean, but you not, discover I mean, new species every day. Well, that's the thing, and it's like, we're not that special, uh, despite what various Oops. factions would have you believe. And if you watch Independence Day, you will know... <laughs> if you are more advanced than we are. We'll show them the whole. Uh, I mean, we're just,
6: no please.
3: We're we're just walking piles of carbon. I mean, so it's not like it's uh, that unlikely that there's other creatures out there. That being said, I don't really know that I buy that aliens come to visit us because it seems like there's only two schools of thought when aliens come to see us. Well, they know we're busy watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> they come on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. We need to visit Sunday during premiere of second season of Mad Men. Um, But my thing is this. There's only two schools of thought, in my opinion, on aliens coming to see us. Aliens either want to be noticed or they don't want to be noticed. Either way, they're screwing it up. I mean, if aliens want to come here and not be seen, well, that's clearly not working because every gin-soaked moron in Kansas sees them. If aliens come here and they want to be seen, they're also screwing that up because they ought to just land, like, on the, you know, at the National Monument. Here we are. So... I don't really know that aliens come here because it, it seems like they're sort of blowing the plan either way. And if they're smart enough to get all this way to visit us, it seems like they would be smart enough to have, you know, like, I don't know. It seems like they would be smart enough to turn off the lights in the ship so that we don't see them. Uh, so so I think they're probably existing. I, they're probably not here yet. So, you know, oh. that would be my thing.
5: Live every day like it's your last.
3: That's what I'm saying. Hey, but, you know, when I was watching, and if we really have to break, when I was, was- watching Independence Day, uh-huh. can I tell you, as as bad as that movie is, yeah, you know, and there's certain things about Independence Day that I really like.
5: It's a it's a great movie. It is kind of craptastic in parts, but
3: it's enjoyable, concept, is what you're saying. It's patriotic. Yeah.
5: But the concept of it, and come on, and the people in it, it is is a great
3: movie. Here's the thing. There are things about that movie I really honestly like. And as dumb as it sounds, I love all the sequences with Bill Pullman. I really do. Uh, Bill
5: Pullman plays an amazing president. Well,
3: you know who else is fantastic is Robert Loggia, who's like his secretary of defense. Mr. President, we have to launch now. He's like the angry. Robert Loggia only has that one delivery, too. Like, that's the only if you see Robert Loggia in any film, that's the only delivery he has. Like in Armed and Dangerous with John Candy, you come to another union meeting, I'll break your legs. Like that's his only. Or when in the when he played William uh, Kunstler in the, uh, uh, the the Chicago Eight movie,
0: there is no law in this court, there is no justice in this
3: court. Like that's his. He's only got like the one mode. He's great. Jeff Goldblum is pretty great. Uh, who's that chick that plays the, the chief of staff? That's Jeff Goldblum's ex.
5: Oh, I don't remember. She's I have a friend hot. named Mary yeah. who looks exactly like her, though. Really? Well, not that it does you any good, but she's single. <laughs>
3: Thanks. Thanks for taking it. A- that's like me orbiting the moon,
4: and then you take it away. Um, and so she's great. That, that's kind of like a rule that I can see Lisa Desjardins moving into once you leave CNN. Yes.
7: Yes, yes. No, I
3: can't, can't you? Uh, Harvey Firestein kind of bugs me, but then he's obliterated by a fireball pretty early on, so that's okay. Uh,
4: but Well, well, well plus they, they have him yelling David, which is something from another movie. Which is the character from uh, Torch Song Trilogy? Oh, really? Yeah, because his son in that is David, and he's always screaming David. Oh, I didn't know there. that. I just
3: remember—I mean, just watching Harvey Fireson who just seems to be him and Judd Hirsch both just a collage of stereotypes. Yeah. it's
2: like it's like they had a, It's like they had a bag
3: of stereotype poetry magnets, and they putting it together. Oh, I gotta call my mother, you know. <laughs> he's like, and I gotta call my analyst, three hundred dollars an hour. Um, but there's that, but you know, you know what? I just can't get past. I just, I just can't get past like the Randy Quaid stuff. I just find it's just so cringe-inducing. It
5: it is really over the top.
3: Yeah, there's a great moment. You know, can I just say this final thing? And then we have wow. to break. We have to break. We have to break. Jeff Goldblum is like fifty-six. Oh, right?
5: Jeff Goldblum's still a sexy man. See, he got it on with uh, Nicole Richie. I remember a couple of years ago.
3: Wait, in real life? Yeah. Well,
5: and who would get it on with Nicole? No, supposedly the rumor was. That she was humping Jeff Goldblum, and then she who humps was. humps Jeff still, Goldblum? Then she was sleeping with uh, <laughs> the dude who eventually knocked her up, and so she wasn't sure if it was Jeff Goldblum or the uh, uh, You kid. know
3: that I, that my seed—it's very uh, potent. Sometimes I, I, I can uh, impregnate women without even really, um, you know, realizing it. He's I working wasn't.
4: on a German movie called für in Lubin*.
3: My. Uh, it's going to be released this you year. You know, my my, my, my sperm we will find a way. You uh, know, uh, 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 violently. It is sometimes possible. And there uh, uh, you go. I got all this Jeff Goldblum stuff to say. We'll do it around the corner. Okay, when we come back, let's talk more about Jeff Goldblum. Oh okay. yeah.
5: Can we talk about a sting in Jurassic Park, please?
3: Yes. No, that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Okay, don't forget that. Okay. I'll... All right. Ready? Break. Here's the drive-by truckers. Don't go anywhere. <inaudible> Is that what he says?
5: No, he's speaking through him, and then um, Will Smith's trying to negotiate with him, and he just says peace, no
3: peace. No, you're afraid. confusing. You're confusing things. No, I'm
5: not. No, the alien takes over. Um, it's not Data's Will Smith body. though.
3: But it it's not. But well, Will Smith isn't there. I don't think. Oh,
2: Bill Pullman is talking about. Bill, Bill
3: Pullman. Pullman. He goes, "What is it you want us to do?" And he says, "Die."
2: Mm-hmm. And then they don't have like, bulletproof glass, peace? which he's
3: is sure. ridiculous. I mean, of course the glass would be bulletproof. That's just stupid. Is this glass bulletproof? No, sir. 'Cause says Jane from Firefly. <makes noise> and then they shoot. What, what, what kind of stupid laboratory? What That just doesn't make any sense. That's just lazy screenwriting. Why would you have a glass laboratory for an alien in an exoskeleton, and then the glass would just not even be double-paned? It's just like candy glass. They, they could have accepted the lowest bidder. <laughs> it's a government contract, I suppose. Uh, good one, Tim Riley. Speaking of Tim Riley, why, listen to this. And now, no.
0: though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim
3: Riley.
4: Did you know that Seattle is one of the leading cities in the U.S. when it comes to research on spider veins? Spider veins? And varicose veins. Do
3: they do whatever a spider vein they can? Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs>
9: Sorry. A couple of very prominent vascular surgeons are in the Seattle area who do a lot of research with varicose veins, and uh, their work is actually known worldwide.
4: There's a rule with them to help you decide if your legs are bothering you enough to see the leg doctor.
9: If you can't get through the day uh, because you have to get off your feet and put your feet up because it hurts too much otherwise, then it's certainly time to, to do something about it.
4: Here's good news for those of you with spider and varicose veins. The days
9: of having major surgery for uh, veins and having those procedure that you may have heard of called vein stripping those Uh. days are over
4: wait so these aren't the veins of spiders no these are the veins of people
3: why are they called spider veins
4: because they look spidery
5: they're like varicose veins you know like ladies like you see them
3: thin blue. yeah my my grandmother had those so where do those why do you get those like why can't you just see those because your blood
5: flow stops
3: Mm -hmm.
5: and so when uh, as the vein dies it will just uh, stop circulating through that one and and the the blood
3: just sort of coagulates Mm -hmm. or whatever oh that's disgusting it is and so, what do they do? Do they just get rid of those?
5: You can I'm not tase sure. Them out. Tase them out. Like laser them out. Well, all right. Well, you know. Okay,
4: there you go. So sounds, sounds like a to... new reality show. <laughs> it's like right my... that. Well, that darn spider vein. Laser
5: my spider veins.
3: Vein. Is that like shiver me timbers? <laughs> well, laser me spider veins. It's the black pearl. Uh, okay, vein stripping sounds singularly unpleasant, by the way. So all right, here's Tim Ronnie.
4: Let's do a Geek Watch.
3: Here's your Geek Watch. And then we can talk about Jeff Goldblum for inside this. Mm. Here's your Geek Watch for a Thursday. Oh.
9: Mm. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen, Sergeant Lemon, I remember you used to just a television show. That's all, okay?
2: All <laughs> right. right. Because we were wondering if the quantum flux is... Just listen on the
9: there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn
4: shit. You got it? Energized. Well, uh, let's see here. Uh, New Line has settled on a writer to bring Freddy Krueger back to life. <sighs> According to The Hollywood Reporter, busy screenwriter Wesley Strick has signed on to write a relaunch with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise with the Warner Brothers division. Robert Englund's razor-fingered Freddy Krueger was born in Wes Craven's 1984 classic about a group of teens whose dreams are terrorized by a child killer who lurks in their dreams. Freddy returned in a slew of sequels, most recently facing off with Jason Voorhees in the self-exploratory 2003 hit Freddy vs. Jason. The trade paper says that New Line wants the sequel to be darker in tone, delving into the nature of dreams while also keeping a high school setting. A 2009 release date will allow the studios to capitalize on the 25th anniversary of the original. Strict's credits include Cape Fear, Wolf, and Doom. He was most recently attracted to AMC's possible series adaptation of Carter Beats the Devil. Uh, so I'm not wholly opposed to that idea. I need to get some coffee here in a second. I'm not wholly opposed to remaking
3: uh, Nightmare on Elm Street because... Because the, the series started out real strong and then just got so unbelievably watered down. I mean, we've talked about this many, many times, yeah. but I, uh, most recently when I tried to buy those Freddy Krueger shoes from Nike, uh, but, um, because, you know, it started strong with Night, Randolph Street 1, and then the second one was crap, and then the third one, uh, Dream Warriors, written by Frank Darabont of Mist fame and Shawshank Redemption fame, was actually the best of the series, and then everything else is terrible, um, and there's people who like Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I think is Seventh Woman. That's awful as well. Uh, so it's just, they're all bad. And and the you know, the character of Freddy, who really is one of the all-time or should have been one of the all-time great villains, just got so so unbelievably diminished with every successive film in the series that it really could. I will sign off on that. I mean, I'll say that the, as a nerd, I can. That I for one uh, throw my lot down with that. I'll, I'm in favor of rebooting uh, that series. Now here's the interesting thing about that. And by interesting, I mean interesting only to me. They are relaunching. Nightmare on Elm Street at the same time as wait for it Michael Bay is remaking uh, Friday the Thirteenth so
7: oh jeez really? so just
3: which is like completely and wholly unnecessary I mean I'm not even I read the greatest post and ain't it cool the other day it really just nailed it when the guy was saying like it's not even worth getting angry about at this point that Michael Bay is remaking Friday the Thirteenth because the Friday the Thirteenth like the, the first Friday the Thirteenth is classic but it's crap it's awful it's a terrible film it's not entertaining it's not scary it's not creepy. I mean, it's a classic only because it really, in a lot of ways, sort of kick-started the slasher slasher film genre after Halloween. But it's not a good film. Friday the 13th and all of its sequels are like Snakes on a Plane. Interesting because they're sort of culturally referenced. A terrible film. All of them are bad. And I say this as somebody who I have seen every Friday the 13th movie, like, five times because I'm a retard. Uh, But but none of them are any good except for Friday the 13th 6. So, I mean... um, Anyway, so they're going to be remaking Friday the 3rd, or they are remaking it. The first shots are already out of Jason, who looks just like Jason, except he's got long blonde hair for some reason. Uh, So they're rebooting that, and then they're going to redo uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, for which I have moderate to, to reasonably high hopes, so... There you go, if you care about such things. There's your Geek Watch uh, for I Thursday. I thought we were going to talk about Jeff Goldblum. Well, we'll do that at the end of that story. That is, yeah. All right, well, let's close this, and we'll talk uh, Jeff by Goldblum.
11: Hammer by the Sons of War Band. I, I shall avenge you.
3: Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix.
4: Savings?
3: All right, uh, well, I forget what my point about Jeff Goldblum was even going to be. Do you have any questions? You said you were going to about talk about Jeff Jurassic Goldblum. Park. About my, are you looking at his Wikipedia page? Um,
4: the IMDb page.
3: Uh, what is, let me, okay, hold on. Jurassic uh, Park. Do I have any questions about
4: Jeff Goldblum? Um, uh, ooh, uh, wait. He is how old? He was born in 1952.
3: 1952, that makes him 56? 56. 56. Yeah. Uh, accounting for the Hollywood factor, that means he must be 59. Mm-hmm. That would be my guess. So I would never have guessed he was that old. Yeah, um, I thought he was a lot younger. No, here's the only thing I was going to say about Jeff Goldblum. And it's weird, actually, because, Sarah, you just said that you found him kind of sexy. And
5: There's something attractive about Jeff Goldblum.
3: So somebody somewhere must have agreed with you at some point. Because I was talking to Chris Paddock about this the other day. We have, Chris Paddock and I have the weirdest, longest, most navel-gazing nerd conversations. He'll just come to my office, and we'll sit there, and we'll... Like, we spent about nine minutes yesterday talking about the erotic adventures of Zorro, which is like awful trailer we played. It with Zorro, rape, flamenco dancing. Um and then everybody who walked by the office, we would make them come in to listen to it. uh Hey, check out this trailer with rape and flamenco dancing um but was
5: it was it just um sound or did you have a visual? I understand? have
3: the visual, but it would, my dvd player wouldn't wouldn't uh. wouldn't much to much to the sadness of the h r department i couldn 't play the rape flamenco dancing thing on the screen um but we were talking about about Jeff Goldblum and how I just the other day watched Jurassic Park uh, again, which by the way holds up as a really, really good film um I was afraid that it might it might be dated. Jurassic Park, in my opinion, really holds up. That's a strong film. Uh, you know what? It's still amazing about Jurassic Park—the effects. When is the last time anybody here saw Jurassic Park? Oh, it's been years.
5: I saw a piece of it um, a few weeks back, but
3: those dinosaur I'll... effects are fantastic. I remember still. seeing
5: the dinosaurs. It's just like that is more believable than any of the CGI crap. That That's comes what I'm out. saying.
3: You know what? The dinosaurs in Jurassic Park still look better than the uh, than the vampires in I Am Legend. Uh, they are unbelievably real. I mean, they look very, very real. Uh, the I have uh, the problems I had with Jurassic Park the first time I still have with Jurassic Park but they're minor. It's a good film. It and it's legitimately terrifying at moments. Um, but it's weird how if you watch Jurassic Park they are just completely marketing Jeff Goldblum as a sex symbol there because he's got this like skin tight leather outfit on and his shirt is open to his navel mm-hmm. and he's got like a gold chain and these sunglasses and he's. And he's, well, so... Uh, he's rough and tumble, hey, right? You, Laura Dern, uh, you know,
0: let me demonstrate chaos theory
4: by uh, driviness of the, the water under your, your hand and then uh, watching it go along the hair. I believe you know. that they That's were engaged for a while back in the 1990s. Michael, Jeff Goldblum and, and, and Laura Dern? Oh, look how yeah. hot
5: he is in this picture. 1985. Uh, see, I don't see it. Oh, he is beautiful.
3: I don't see it. A beautiful I, man. But they wanted like three successive films where they were trying to market him as a sex symbol, and then it just. And then he was in the big chill, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know he
5: was married to Gina Davis.
3: Yeah. He is still or was?
5: He was.
3: Was. Was married to Gina Davis. Wait, I didn't know that. Gina Davis, because they, they were both in The Fly.
5: So he's been married twice. He was married to Patricia Gaul. Um Then he later married Gina Davis, with uh, whom he starred in three films.
3: Yeah. You see him on The Fly, it'll be hard to view him as sexy for quite some time. All right. Well, and then even there's. That's the end of uh, Jeff Goldblum.
5: That's a really good Jeff Goldblum. It's, it's it's not. It's all you have to do is talk really quietly
3: and stop. <laughs> uh, violently. Uh, hey, you
6: single ladies.
3: What ladies? Who are, to whom are you talking? I
6: don't know. A couple
5: ladies in the audience.
3: All right. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Meanwhile, Russian miners are too terrified to work after bears. They toured their colleagues. <laughs> oh, wow. Terrified uh, terrified workers at a mining compound a rather... This is uh, Russia's most isolated regions, are refusing to go to work after a pack of giant bears attacked and made two of their colleagues. At least 30 of these hungry animals have been prowling around the mines in western Kamchatka in search of food, where the mangled remains of two workers, both guards, were found last week. Co-workers at the compound are trapped and frightened by the gruesome discovery that left them too scared to venture out. A team of snipers with orders to shoot to kill have been dispatched to confront the invasion after government officials authorized an off-season hunt. A spokesman for the local government said that the area has been so isolated that it'll be at least till, say, next week before anybody gets there. Attempts to reach the scene by helicopter have been abandoned due to thick fog. The Kamchatka bear is one of the world's largest. Males grow to at least 10 feet tall and weigh 1,540 pounds. They can also reach speeds up to 30 miles an hour, despite their size. Wait, hold on. 10 feet tall. 10 feet tall. What does that
3: mean when you're talking about a bear?
4: If it's standing on its hind legs? Oh, okay. Not, not like when it's on all
3: four. <laughs> no, that's, that's massive. It's <laughs> like bigger than a car. Okay, that's freaking... Okay, but that... Okay, if so that's as they are standing up, uh, preparing to bat their claws into your
4: face. It does weigh 1,540 pounds, so, so that's Jesus. quite an appetite. Wow. Uh, Russia terrifies me. This uh, peninsula, nine time zones east of Moscow, and twice the size of Britain, is the home to an estimated 16,000 bears.
3: Well, okay. Well, I'm going to ask your advice as we get closer to my Russia trip then next year, Tim. So, mm-hmm. All right. Remember, they can smell They're... your menstruation. Uh, hi, you Oh, and don't forget when Richie gets back uh, in early August, we're going to be interviewing Ariana Richards uh, from Jurassic Park. By the way, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, Rick. It's you, sir. Hello.
11: Uh, Hey, Rick. Uh, Listen, I had a little something about that uh, astronaut you were mentioning earlier. I hope it's not too late to bring that one up.
0: No, sir. Go ahead.
11: Uh, Don't know if you're aware of the uh, James Randi Educational Foundation. Yes, I am. He has this thing called the Million Dollar Prize. Now, I would like to see this astronaut try to get this prize, because if he thinks he's got proof of UFOs and aliens and what have you, he should have no problem. Trouble is, as most of our viewers may or may not be aware, that prize has been going for roughly ten or so years, well, and nobody's
3: won. I will yeah. say this. I dig James Randi a lot. James Randi is, uh, is a professional debunker, and he was most, he's most famous at this point for debunking a bunch of um, televangelists or these sort of revival tent preachers who, mm. cl- who claim to be able to sort of faith heal people on stage. Yeah. And he is most famous for, there was a guy named um, Popper or Poppo or whatever. He was, a, he was a guy who did these big tent revival services. Where these poor, old sick people would show up, because this shyster preacher claimed that he could heal them, and uh-huh. James Randy sat out he got a crew and they sat outside and they, they sat outside in like a radio van, and they kept scanning all the frequencies. Uh, because he would, because the preacher would stand on stage and he would have people stand up in the audience and he would claim to be able to know exactly what was wrong with them just by looking at them. And then, of course, he would have them give money to Jesus. And so James Randi and his people just sat outside in a radio van one night and scanned all the frequencies until they figured out that the guy was using an electronic in-ear, uh, like a like a little microphone thing in his ear, and he had an assistant backstage going, Woman in the green dress, uh, going through a rough divorce. Man in the red hat has angina. And and that's and they totally debunked... In fact, it's demonstrated in the movie Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. James uh, Randi's... That's a great movie. Yeah, that, that's based on a real guy who was using a microphone in his ear or whatever, a hear, an earpiece, to sort of scam these, these people out of their money. And James Randi is most famous for that. He also did, he did a great... When Carson was still around, James Randi did this great thing where he went on The Tonight Show to demonstrate faith healing live, where he had Carson lay down on a table... And there was this guy who was doing this scam where he would claim that he could reach. It sounds retarded, but he would claim that he could reach into your stomach and pull out the infected parts of your insides. And then he would, like, have you give money to Jesus. And Randy demonstrated how you would do this by having, like, fish guts or something, like, secreted in your hand. And then you would pretend that you were pulling them out of some gullible person. And he did it to Carson right on stage. So James Randy is pretty great. I think it's uh, randy.org with an I where you find out more about him. All right. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. No problem. Yeah, James Randi's pretty great. He's on that Penn & Teller show all the time. Here's Tim Riley. Back to Florida we go for this little ditty. Back to where? <laughs> <Yeah>. Florida. <laughs> Sorry.
4: <laughs> Sorry, Tim. So <laughs> Polk. County elementary school principals can no longer discipline students by spanking them. The county school board changed the district's code of conduct to ban spanking. Previously, a signed form from parents allowed principals to administer spankings if the children misbehave. So I wonder if that, that was like, check this box, spanking, strangling. I was, I was <laughs> <laughs> scolding,
3: uh, the, the branding. Um, that is interesting, actually. Do you Would you sign a thing that said you could, what do they call that, corporal punishment? Yes. Um, that is interesting. I wonder if there was a thing you signed. Like a permission slip, letting the teacher, like, whack your kid around.
4: Well, one principal used a ping-pong paddle, and another spanked about two students a month. There's
3: something wrong with teachers that decide that they want to start, like, whacking on kids. Mm. There's there's something a little unsettling about that. So, all right, that is, uh, that's, that's in that state.
4: That's in that state.
3: Uh, let's do one more here, and we'll take a break and uh, reset in the next hour.
4: Well, teenager Miley Cyrus oh. is auctioning herself off. Course, yeah. uh, a lucky bidder could soon win a date with the 15-year-old Disney Channel queen. The highest bidder will attend the premiere of Cyrus's new Disney film, Bolt. It opens uh, November 26th. Let me say this about that. movie that. looks
3: a little cute. It looks a little cute, and it's, I think, not a Pixar film, but I think there was some supervision by John Lasseter from Pixar, so it doesn't look like it's going to be flat-out terrible. That being said, have we all seen the trailer for Bolt?
7: No, I, you, well, you, I must have.
3: You must have Wally. If you saw Wally, you saw the trailer for Bolt. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst thing about that is, though, is they're casting Miley Cyrus, obviously, because she's you know she's a star. And John Travolta as Bolt, right? Is that true? I, I didn't know that. So. But the problem is, Miley Cyrus sounds like a fifty-year-old. She sounds like Tammy Wynette. Hey Bolt, we gotta go.
0: Uh, we, gotta, we gotta go rescue the hamster.
3: I mean, she sounds like an old woman with a smoking voice. So I'm sure she's a nice girl and all, but she sounds. She sounds like a grown-up. She doesn't sound like a 15-year-old. So it's really distracting. I'm not the target audience for that. But every time she speaks, it's really distracting. How grown-up she sounds. By the way, I don't know anything about Bolt except what I've seen in the trailer. But don't you just know when you watch it? Can't you just? I predicted this first time I saw it. Um, There's going to be the moment where the hamster inside the plastic running ball. Where to save somebody, probably Bolt. He has to take the brave step of getting out of the ball and walking out in the open air oh, by like himself. A brave new world. Totally, like the boy in the bubble. He's going to have to leave the safety of his plastic ball to save Bolt. You just know that's coming. That's I'll guarantee right now. Bet my bottom dollar that happens.
5: Whenever I see those balls, I picture that um that episode of Family Guy with Stewie when Brian buys the uh, can of black that. spray paint and he spray paints the entire ball because Stewie's sick, and so Stewie's so running around in a hamster ball. It's hilarious. I
3: haven't seen that. That does sound funny. I got, like, can I tell you, I just got dozens and dozens and dozens of, of discs full of Family Guy still to get through. It's You're so lucky. I'm just, I know, but it's like, man, it's just like it's digging myself out with a shovel. All
4: right, there's that.
3: That so, was that. Shall we take a break? I know you have to prepare more news, Tim. Yes, Riley. I must
4: go in the other room immediately. All right.
3: To the other room. To the cave. You want to pull the slide down, like, right into your thing, and you get out, and you're, like, in a newsman suit on the other end? Whoosh. Uh, Tim is always in his newsroom. Someday, if we ever, like, some, you know, someday, like, uh, you know, if we get like to uh, help with the blueprints of whatever new building we move into, I want a secret panel that opens into your newsroom. I'd like that. A secret passage to your newscast. Yes. All right, back after this, we'll talk to Richie Bristol. We'll do the top five and more. Don't go anywhere. program thank you for coming along it's uh 503 733 503 and uh whatnot i'm not gonna finish my coffee hold on ah. wait one second
4: ah. all right this is great the coffee
3: is good um hey Jessica's you see this great posting on craigslist Chris Paddock was just talking about this. Um, no, what is it? Uh, well, we'll have to. Uh, Chris Paddock, if you're listening, don't 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 come in quite yet because we, we're about to do some stuff uh, in the next half hour. We'll have Chris Paddock from KUFO come in. There's the best posting on Craigslist that I want to read. He just sent it to me, but I, I want to wake up. Is it
5: a best posting like uh, Richie's dirty use sex
3: toys? Uh, well, it's great, but it's not in that way. It's it's for it's it's for something that's not icky. Uh, oh, and We still haven't talked to Richie today about his trip. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got to do it tomorrow. And your high school reunion. I know. Jesus, we haven't even of,
5: talked about it. I, for the love of God. I did pick up out my outfit for the high school reunion. What are you wearing? Though. I'm wearing. Um, what are you wearing? Mm, I found these like uh, black like platform wedge shoes with like an ankle strap, and then I have this old style like. I don't know, the kind of retro vintage dress that's uh, navy blue with, like, uh, white cross-hatching with, like, a little collar and then, like, a black belt. Excellent. And then big hair.
3: Now, is it, like, a one-night thing only?
5: Well, they're having things on um, Friday and then, and then Saturday night's, like, the dinner thing. And then Sunday's family day, which they can go to
3: hell because <laughs> I am not going. <laughs> they can... Suck it. <laughs>
5: so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go to the dinner <laughs> with my buddies, and then I think go to the Winterland, which is uh, where my new vice is playing, and I'm right. going to check them out.
3: I gotta figure out where Appetite for Deception is playing in Kennewick, uh, because it's you know, and, I, and, it, and you know, my mom's not gonna, not gonna, you know, my mom is not gonna want to go see a Guns N' Roses cover band, obviously. But uh, where we're gonna go, we'll spend all day with my mom. On Saturday, and then Saturday night we'll go to see uh, this Guns N' Roses band uh, in Kennewick, and then uh, we're going to do something. But it's just, I already checked the weather, and it's just, it's like 104 degrees. It's just going to be, it's just going to be hell. And, of course, it's the weekend of the hydroplane races, which is like... What were you saying? That was a huge deal in college. It's I massive. You, what was that thing you say they have in Bremerton? It's the Whaling Days. Whaling to see. And every city has their stupid thing. Like mm-hmm. every city has their lentil festival or whatever the hell it is that where the town's population triples for like two days. And that's what. And it's that is this weekend in Kennewick. So, uh, hey, Rich. Hold on. Gotta push. The Richie door. Bristol is Jen Lane here. Yes, sir. All right. Can you bring her in, please? And we'll just do the top five. Uh, we'll have Jen Lane accompany us on the top five. Okay. I never know. It's that thing of like when I talk to to Richie sometimes. Love <laughs> it. Heel. Mush. Uh, it's that thing with Richie sometimes where it's like when you're texting with somebody and you're not really sure who's doing the last word. Like you don't. You're like, okay, that. See you then. And then, like, you never hear back, and you're kind of unclear about that. Hello, Jen Lane. How are you? Hello. Wow. All right. Hold on. The microphones have been adjusted a bit, so let me do this. (laughs) Hold on. Let me do, like, that. Okay. And we'll want to pot her down just yeah. a little got bit. It. Yeah, got okay. they, they, they were in tweaking. Yes, it is. Sounds good. Okay. Yes. I mean, you can put adjust it however you want, but okay. if you put it back too far, the arm, the springs are really strong on that. You probably get a
6: that. good shot down my shirt this way, too.
3: Uh, I didn't say that. You said that. That's you who said so you, that, Jen. You said go on and on
6: about Lisa's
5: breasts <laughs> earlier. Tonight. Well, because they're
3: like the breasts that ate Chicago. They're massive.
5: <laughs> they are. It's true.
6: They're Freakishly.
5: I
3: mean, and I know some guys would be off-put by the fact that it's because she's uh, all motherly now she's and all feedin'. yeah, feeding. Uh,
6: she's pretty. Hot. She's a hot mama.
3: Mm. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care. You know what I mean? It's the uh, look. Here's the thing. I know some guys may say, "Well, that it doesn't." They're all milky, though. It's uh, I can't find it sexy. Like here, they're all milky. Like that doesn't matter to me. It's like I would. It, I'd much Have you rather... ever been to
6: the Double Drivel?
3: Is that code for something?
6: <laughs> it's a strip bar in Gresham where the bartenders are topless no. and lactating and uh, one of my admins Jedediah I went there recently and got a free without even asking lactate floater on his beer
3: <laughs> Wow Yeah <laughs> Who wants to do the top five? five? Hey Jen, do you want to count down the top five? No. Sure, what, five. T- what, what is the top five? Top five ballads that ruined the band
6: Oh yeah
3: All right, so, uh, I don't
6: have anything to read Here we go all right. Okay.
3: Hold on. We'll just let this uh, let this get the instrumental part here. It's hard to compete with the count.
6: <laughs>
3: Boy, that's a really odd story you just told me there.
6: <laughs> I mean, I mean, whatever. I an <laughs> enema story too. Let's, let's save that until next time. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It was different, different, whatever for different folks. But I mean, it's just. Uh, yeah, the only thing I really find off-putting is like really. I was going to say implants in general, but I guess maybe sometimes you can't tell. So, I mean, it, like obvious... Sometimes you
6: can't tell. Come on. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, well, maybe you know, if they're for a mastectomy or I something. I mean, right. by,
3: by definition, if it's really well done, maybe I wouldn't know. But I'm saying, and it's not like I have a problem with, with plastic surgery, but I'm saying, uh, you know those women who get the big porn implants? I'm not talking about like if you're if you're just like you got nothing and you want to just look proportional or whatever but there was how do I put this there was a woman I don't know who it was there was a woman at the Willamette Week thing last night who had what I call the porn implants where it's just like the big volleyballs and it's like there's just nothing was it
6: Cindy the erotic please I
3: I really honestly don't know who it was I have no idea who it was I had somebody I didn't know uh, but she walked by with, like, like, the big Wilsons in front. And I'm like...
5: <laughs> Cindy, right? Rock Pleaser has enormous breasts. Yeah.
3: Well, whoever this was, they were clearly... I mean, maybe and maybe they're not supposed to look real. Like, maybe they're for, like, fetishists or something where it's like they don't care. But I'm just saying, for me, not that everybody has to... But there's nothing less appealing than that.
6: Maybe she's the ball girl for the basketball team.
3: Moving on, <laughs> here's Jen Lane with today's top five.
6: Okay, Honorable Mention.
3: This is, these are the top five ballads that ruined a band. Top five ballads that ruined a band.
6: Honorable Mention. Bon Jovi. <laughs> life
3: this is the unplugged version only. and Here's why this is Honorable Mention. It's not because this is bad, and it's not because the unplugged version and uh, of this... And none of these songs, I mean most of these songs, aren't really bad as such. But the thing about this is... People think that the unplugged craze came from Tesla and that five-man acoustical jam album, it didn't. Uh, that's sort of uh, people remembering incorrectly. The unplugged uh, craze came from this performance of this song, which I think was at the Video Music Awards or something in like uh, 80, 87, maybe, 88, 86, um, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with this. It works. It's a good song. It works unplugged. But because of this, every band suddenly, we got to unplug, dude which worked at some point. Did you ever watch MTV Unplugged, oh, yeah. like the series? And occasionally something would really work well, like I think Aerosmith worked pretty well. And
6: the Nirvana one was terrific.
3: Nirvana is like the best yeah. thing they ever did. Oh. Of all things, L.O. Cool J's Unplugged yeah. worked really well. Yeah. Uh, but then you get like you get like Poison Unplugged, which is just crap. It was just awful. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that just shouldn't be unplugged. It's sort of like Patience by Guns N' Roses begat this whole generation of terrible acoustic guitar ballads that were just... I and mean, that's why you got Saigon Kick singing Love is on the Way, which is like the worst thing in the history of everything.
6: <laughs>
3: so there's, there's nothing wrong with this. Was it on this show that we played the awful, the awful like 2004 version of this that these guys put out? The bon Jovi themselves put out a new version of this song about four years ago. Like an it's yeah, it's like a remix and it's sort of got like a little like kind of electro thing happening in the background. And the, the single worst thing about it is is he doesn't scream the I've rocked them all. He doesn't even have the line. He goes he gets to the line and he goes, I've seen a million faces. I've seen a lot of faces. And then he just goes oh. like he completely removes he removes the I've rocked them all line. It's not even in the song. That's ridiculous. It's like why would you do that? So
5: I almost like Richie Sambora singing better than uh, John Bon Jovi.
3: Richie Sambora is not a bad singer. He's got a certain raspiness. Do you ever hear his solo album? I say, knowing the answer is no. No one did. Uh, it's awful. It's awful because it's it's one of those things that works. It's that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Richie Sambora is like a spice that works well in moderation. Whole album of that, it's like a big meal of habanero. Just don't work well at all. So, top five ballads that ruined a band.
6: All right, next one, Reich, Silent Lucidity. That's the only Queensryche song I think of, or That's, I can think of.
3: Hence why it ruined the yeah. band. because
6: <laughs> That's the only one I
5: know. Exactly,
3: because it was a big... And so the problem with all these bands, the, the problem with ballads, again, this is a, a beautiful song, and it's sort of we stole it from Pink Floyd kind of a way. Uh, but. It, these bands sort of labor as cult bands,
6: and then as soon as girls start listening to them, totally. they're ruined.
3: That was that whole thing about like when you go to the concert, as soon as it's half chicks, like the band sucks. I mean, <laughs> be, which is that's not me saying. I think it's Chuck Closterman you know, who said that.
6: Thing about a good gay bar.
3: It's true. Is that true?
6: Very true, yeah. Like as soon as there's a big female turn up, it goes to hell. It's over. The,
3: The problem is not that this or any of these songs are bad. It's that, as you were just saying, they labor at a certain level of fame. This song, bam, blows the doors open. Huge hit. But then the problem is that every subsequent album has to have three silent lucidities on it. So, of course, the follow-up to this album had a song called The Bridge, which is like a terrible, like, weepy, stupid acoustic song about his dad, which is no good, but they put it there because they wanted to cater to this same audience.
7: Well, has it just (laughs) begun?
3: Great song, though.
5: It is a fantastic song.
3: It's a beautiful song. That, that... Don't that's the player at right the game. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> the thing is, all of the songs on this list, almost without exception, it's like these songs on the list today are all good. It's that the songs that came because of these songs, the songs that came after
5: mm-hmm.
3: are all bad. Like this is a great song.
5: I love number three is one of my favorite. Yeah, I love it. That that's also
3: a great song. Alright, well this is Queens uh, Queen's Eye Sunday City. Can you do to the top five ballads that ruined a band?
6: Number four Kiss Beth. Oh,
5: YouTube totally screwed me on this. I had it it's all not and now it's not at all.
3: Are we going to get shafted here? Is it going to stop? Oh, come on!
5: It's one of those ones that plays four seconds of it and then skips all the way to the end. Here, hang on.
3: I wonder if this is the uh, Eric Carr version of the... <laughs>
6: there oh, come on! <laughs> on. It, it showed that it well, wasn't Everyone knows up. that song anyway. Uh,
3: wait, hold on. When I see, but see, now I've got to see, see if I can on. find it. Hold on a second. Let's see here. Uh... Hold on. Let me look. See if I can get it to play over here. All right. Just like momentum be gone.
5: <laughs> well, luckily, you know, the fabulous <sighs> CBS radio, speedy internet.
3: Lightning fast internet connection here at CBS. Oh, come for the love of...
6: Now none of them are working.
5: That's, that's <laughs> just
3: great. Hold on one moment here. We'll take all this out in post. You should
6: have the top five electronic problems.
3: A top five <laughs> problems. The top five technical <laughs> glitches that plague <laughs> us here at CBS. Uh, yeah, all right, CD players, all right. Hold on.
6: Want me tell you about the enema. Is this me? There? I think so. Yeah.
3: All right, we'll see if I can get this to play over here. All right. So this is off. Uh, you might want to pop me. Oh. What just happened there?
5: See, that's the oh, same line. Oh come on! It plays four seconds and then stops.
3: Song arise. Jesus.
7: <laughs> all right.
3: So this is um, on the album Destroyer. I say knowing it's probably going to stop again any minute. And, of course, if you listen to the rest of Destroyer, it's not like metal as such, but it's all very sort of theatrical rock, and it's sort of like guitars, and God of Thunder, and Flaming Youth, and Destroyer, and, you know, it's just like this whole like sort of aggro vibe. And then Peter Chris comes in with a song that they didn't even think was going to be a single. Like, they all just like, oh, this sucks. Let's bury it later on the record. This was the flip side of Detroit Rock City. They send out Detroit Rock City as the single. DJs hear this, and they're like, hey, let's play this instead. So this becomes the big hit. And this, of course, is still the single biggest hit Kiss ever had. Uh, Which means that in every subsequent album, there would be some crap ballad. This
6: is their number one, number one song?
3: This is the biggest selling, uh, more than rock and roll all night. This is the most successful single they ever had. And so even when they did that reunion album, Psycho Circus or whatever, which sucks, it's like there's the obligatory schmaltzy Peter Criss ballad. (laughs) Uh... And, you know, I mean, it's a fine song. It's a truly classic song, especially because it was sort of... And there's the other thing. The reason this song is so great is because it was unlike anything that Kiss had done, unlike anything else on the record. But, of course, with every subsequent album, when you put out a song that sounds just like this, it becomes sort of less special. So the last thing, the great thing about this is how this song, I think, is playing during that sequence in Detroit Rock City when the kids are getting it on in the confessional. With, uh, it's like Edward Furlong and a girl named Beth uh, who are like making out in the confessional, which is like hot in like a hundred different ways. And then this is playing on the soundtrack. <laughs> so, all right. These are the top five ballads that ruined a band.
6: And number three, Extreme More Than Words. Yeah.
3: Not a bad song in any way. Great song. <laughs> Was it, on, was it here? Was it you? I was talking with the band's reunited about these guys. I don't think so. They, you know, bh one did bands reunited where they tried to get you know whoever together. Everybody in Extreme wanted to get back together, and then the last guy was the guitarist, Nuno Betancourt, who kind of writes all the songs. And they found him at like an LA cafe, and he was just such a colossal dick about it. He was just that's like,
5: how Joey McIntyre was. Wanna... Get
3: away! Yeah, like the <laughs> people who have no he right was to. He such an be...
5: ass, and then I love watching that 40 year old ass like dance around on stage. I'm like, yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah, Nuno Betancourt, they couldn't even put his face on camera. They had to, like, put the blue dot or whatever over it so, because he was such a jerk about it. Well, I don't need Extreme. Get away from me. You know, and he was just such a bastard. Beautiful song. Uh, and then they had the follow-up called uh, Wholehearted, which is a great song, too. Here, but here's the thing. This is a beautiful song, instantly iconic, a video that everybody recognizes. Um, but Nuno Bettencourt and Gary Sharon from Extreme, and Extreme is a fantastic band. Uh sort of unfairly called a, a hair band because they were in that same era you know, and they're really not that at all but they themselves have said that they they have said this is the reason this is the reason that the band broke up was this song because they sold every record sold like 100,000 copies 200,000 copies this comes out record sells 3 million copies and then the record company guy sits down and goes oh that uh, more than words I need uh, four more of those for the next record get writing
5: when was was it like 90? Uh, 90
3: 90 90 or 91. I remember
5: this 5th grade.
3: And, uh, and they themselves have said that the, the, I had to play it. Don't do it. I was already working at a radio station and I had to play this. So, uh, But the record the record I
6: don't even need a fake ID anymore.
7: <laughs>
3: and so the pressure of having to top this, they've just flat out said this song is the reason they broke up. Because they couldn't top it. And the record company kept yelling at them to write another one of these. And they were just like, we can't take it. We're breaking up. So the end of a great band because of this. I try to it's a great song, though. This is a good record. It's got extreme to pornography is the name of this, and it's got uh, It's also got a song that sounds just like Frank Sinatra, and it's got a song called Wholehearted, which is really, really beautiful.
6: And this song's gonna get to my nerves because it just all builds. Like there's never and then any it never break. Goes anywhere? Yeah. yeah.
3: Like... Everybody. No, Ever God, let me go Whoa, Got it out of the top five ballads that ruined a band Number two
6: Number two, the Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge
3: I hate this song, I hate this me song too, so much I hate too. this song with everything and in I it And
6: I remember when it came out, I loved it, I loved it And I, loved I did it. And, <laughs> and it freaked out I, I
3: can even picture it now I can just picture <laughs> the, the stupid little dome thing Where what's his name with the knit hat is playing I, in I'm between. watching
6: the, the
5: stupid little video right now
3: <laughs> Man I I despise this song, and I don't really like the Red Hot Chili Peppers anyway. In full disclosure, but I mean, at least before this song, they they weren't like they didn't they didn't suck. And but again, but can you remember any? ballad by the Red Hot Chili Peppers before this song? No. No, but of course, since then, you can name, like, five different songs they've done that are all kind of this. The
5: city I, live in. I, remember, I saw Anthony Kiedis at his, you know, his dad's art show. He's like the tiniest little man. Is he still
3: hot or does he look old? He was beautiful. You know, when he becomes old, he's going to be icky pop. You look yeah. at Anthony Cates. You look at Iggy Pop, and it's like faces of math.
5: He couldn't have been more than like five two.
3: He's a small man, but he's he's but he's in shape.
5: Yes, he, he looked like a small, muscly man.
3: Jesus, you know who's not small? I was watching Heat again last night, the De Niro, Val Kilmer thing, and yeah, Henry Rollins is in that, and it was like Henry Rollins even has kind of gotten he's shrunk down over the last few years. Like you see him in Heat, and he's just like a wall. I mean, he's <laughs> like it's like a fire plug. I mean, it's unreal. <laughs> See, that's my thing with this song, your, your deal with it. This song just mm. never goes anywhere. It's just sort of... Ugh. I
5: hate that shoulder thing he does with
6: the feel
7: like
3: thing. <laughs> wow. And it's not like this is a bad record. I mean, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, is a fine record. I mean, this has got Suck My Kiss and uh, Give It Away.
6: Yeah, I totally love sweet flavor for the red hot chili
3: peppers. Yeah. I mean, the records... Okay,
6: this song. Yeah. I can't listen to them anymore. It's... Now they sound so dated
3: to me. And they just... Yeah, that's, that's the other thing, too, is this is so 90s. This is so... Yeah. Alterna Nation, I like should go on a tour with, like, the Spin Doctors. <laughs> 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 and Soul Wow. That's completely true. Oh, God, the Spin Doctors. Jesus. Kill me. All right. Top five ballads that ruined a band. Number one, Gemini? Number
6: one, Aerosmith, Angel. <laughs>
3: You know who hates this song? Aerosmith.
7: <laughs>
3: Tom Hamilton said that he uh, he said he would actually feel like he had to almost get stoned to play this on stage because he hated it so much. Um, but then he said the same thing. He's like, but then you look out of the audience. There's all these chicks singing along, and he's like, that's why you're doing.
5: Uh, I don't think I ever knew this with Aerosmith.
3: It's Aerosmith. Well, that's because it doesn't sound anything like Aerosmith. So this is bad in a few different ways. A, because of this, this beget what it takes, which beget crying, which beget crazy, which beget amazing, which beget, I don't want to, you know, I want to miss a thing. Uh-huh. This is also the first time Aerosmith brought in outside songwriters.
6: I have a hard time telling those songs apart. Everybody
3: does. Because yeah. they're all this. They're yeah. all rewrites of Angel. And Aerosmith obviously wrote other all material. They're maybe the definitive American blues band. I Aerosmith
6: was totally over before this came out now. Oh, yeah. You know, so like whereas the other ones, like you say, they killed the band. I think the band is already kind of dead. Actually, just kind of kept them alive.
3: Zombie Aerosmith? So, yeah. Yeah. They reanimated with it? Yeah. This. I can see that. It's It really is like a before and after with Aerosmith. There was like Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic, Rocks. Nine in the Ruts, you know, all of that stuff. And then and then there's this and everything after. Uh, and, you know, that's where Steven Tyler was living in a $20 a week flop house or whatever. Uh, and, I, you know, you got to give it up, to, 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 I guess, to necessity. I think he finally was like, I'm not going to screw this up twice. You know, well, we need you to use outside songwriters. Fine. We need you to do power belts, fine. You know, we need you to sing crap for Armageddon. Okay. I think he was. They, they must just be so terrified of losing everything again that they just did whatever it took to, to you know, to be popular. Which is, you know, I guess it's the way it goes. This does have that weird moment though in the video where. It's a girl, like a feathery angel, and then at the end, there's that sequence where Steven Tyler turns and at the camera and spits a feather out of his mouth, which is a little weird.
5: <laughs> You're right, though. Remember when we had this discussion of uh, whether or not Steven Tyler was hot or not? He's, there's this whole sequence of him dressed like a like a private
3: detective, like short hair
6: tucked up in the hat. He looks hideous.
3: With short hair? He's right, I think
6: he's really monkey. He's right simmy. He he's kind of like a hot monkey with like the... <laughs> he's got weirdly
3: exaggerated features. Yeah, and they need to be balanced out by the big coy. That's the thing, the hair distracts you from the face. This video though, yeah, there's that sequence where he's got the fedora and the hair tucked up and he bad. looks... Bad,
5: bad, bad. He looks like, like a bad...
6: Post-op, like like man woman.
3: The Wildenstein. I would
6: uh, the guitar Joe. Uh... Joe Perry. Yeah, he still looks great. He... God, he is such a good-looking man. And
3: he's still in shape too. He's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw some interview with him somewhere the other day. He was talking like his workout regimen, and he's like on the that thing, that rowing thing where you pull this thing uh-huh. or whatever. And he's just yes, yeah. He he's an attractive man in a sort of street kind of way. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Excellent.
3: What's going on in the world of bar flight, Jen Lane? Well,
6: we had the very exciting battle of the band bands on Sunday. Just super fun. Still in attendance. It was very celebrity fun. judge, and uh, the last regiment of syncopated drummers mm-hmm. swept it. Number one band van in Portland. Yeah. That band RSC. is amazing. I actually passed yeah, them um, that Friday. I was driving by with a friend, and we
5: were uh, like yelling at the band. We're like, "That's an awesome band!" And then it turned out that they were in the contest.
6: Yeah, they they they, they swept it, and. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. We only had a handful of bands enter, but it was our first annual, so next time. But it was a great party just like that. We had a big water balloon fight. We had tricycle races. And, uh, and free absinthe. Free absinthe. Free, free lovejoy vodka and gin and uh, PBR, of
3: course. At some point, uh, we don't have time to do it today, but at some point, uh, we'll need to have you uh, discuss the whole Absinthe business with us. And and I, and I and here's the, the reason I don't want to do it. We've learned in the past, if we start to discuss absinthe. You should
6: have Rich on from Integrity Spirits. He's the one that uh, provided the absinthe. He's really good. He's really really funny, too. We'll have yeah. to sort of
3: get, yeah, because I've, we've learned that if we start to talk about it, the phone lines immediately fill yeah. up with people, all of them screaming that the last caller was wrong about absinthe.
6: Oh, by the way, I was on a leash as a, as a kid, and no problems here. Really? I thought yeah. you were going to
3: say, like, earlier today. ma'am. <laughs> well, Oh. Sorry, was that awkward? <laughs> well, likely my mom's you, not listening. Can you hear me in, in the back? <laughs> All right. All right. Um, uh, okay, uh, barflypdx.com? Yes, it is. The website, barflypdx.com. All right, we're, we're very behind. we got to take break. Come back. Tim Riley after this. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Go
7: nowhere! Good golly, Miss Martin.
3: A busy day. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please pay heed to Tim Riley.
0: And now, now. now from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well,
4: don't buy anyone any peanuts or cracker jacks at Safeco Field. Beginning on August 5th and September 9th, the stadium staff there is planning to break, make two sections, peanut control zones. Peanut control zone. Peanut control zone. I've got one of those. Apparently, they're banning the sale of peanuts at nearby concession stands in certain areas for those affected by peanut food allergies. Don't get me started. They want to watch the game without being worried about eating peanuts that kill them.
3: Did you read that story the other day about a woman who tried to kill her neighbor by jamming peanuts into her mouth? That is true. I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't laugh. I know I shouldn't laugh. But here, the, the peanut thing is like the kid leash thing. It's just a thing that they've, like, created in the last 15 years. What, well, peanut allergies? But when you were, Tim, when you were a kid, did anybody oh, die from peanuts? I never heard of it till No recently. one ever died of peanuts until, like, the last 15 years. They've had peanuts since, you know, forever.
7: Yeah, it, that is true. Was, I
3: don't know where this came from. No, it's, that's the thing. I mean, I'm not doing, like, a when I was a boy thing, but literally, I think, honestly, if you were to do, like, some news nexus search on peanut death, thank you, It never existed. I mean, don't you think if a kid had died from peanut allergy when I was, like, in school, they would have told us? Well, like, people I have known? allergies
5: to everything. I mean, I, I think kids have had allergies to peanuts. I I'm. I mean, people are allergic to, like, I have a friend who's allergic to wheat, you know? People but, are just allergic to random things. I But I think,
3: I don't know if we have time to instapole. I think if we were to instapole this and to say, when you were a kid, did anyone die of a peanut allergy? I think the no. answer would be 90% no. But,
5: I mean, did anyone die of any allergies when you were a kid? Well, people, I mean, but, like... I didn't know anybody who died of any other allergies when I was a kid. But, but, I
3: mean, it's like bee stings. People have always died from bee stings. I'm just saying, I, I'm not disputing that people have peanut allergies. I'm just saying... I feel bad for them. Peanuts are awesome. It just sort of came out of nowhere, though. I yeah. mean, I guess, here's... I. I so, uh, it seems to me, it's, I really am just more fascinated because there's it seems like there's two things. Either A... People just died by the score from Peanuts when I was a kid, and they never told it. Like, it was just never reported. Or it somehow just became something that people were vulnerable to in the last 15 years. Um, I mean, it, peanut death among – I mean, like, I don't think – specifically Peanuts, though. Uh, it seems like that has just come out of the blue since, like, the mid-'90s. Um is it, it, So, I mean, were just people dying all the time from peanuts when we were kids well, and nobody ever
4: told anybody? I think everybody wants their
3: own allergy nowadays. Well, I did read a story the other day, actually. I read a story in, uh, it was like a medical report. They said that, let's see if I get the figures right. They said that 8% of the population had a food allergy and 80% of the population claimed to have a food allergy. So that everybody claimed to be allergic to something, but like eight percent of people were. So I do. Everybody does want their own niche allergy, probably at this point. I think so. No, the whole thing is uh, the whole thing is fascinating to me. Hey, uh, Richie, is this Richie? Is this Joker phone Dan at Comic Con? Yeah. I hate to be a jerk. Can we do that tomorrow when Aaron is in the I'm studio? I'm sorry, and I told him to call. I thought, because he said an hour, and I thought it would be closer to 12, 2.15. That's, that's my apology. We're scheduled today. Can, can we talk to him when Aaron's on tomorrow? Because Aaron will know what to ask him about the con. So, all right, here's Tim Riley.
4: A uh, Georgia Jury has awarded a Jilted Bride 150000 dollars Rosemary Shell, a suitor ex-fiance for calling off their wedding last year. Wayne Gibbs, the ex-fiance, testified that during the engagement with Shell, he paid off thirty thousand dollars of her debt, sucker. Then he found out <laughs> that Shell had even more debt than she talked about. He got cold feet and left it out in the bathroom that the wedding was off. And note in the bathroom. After the Hall County Jury Award was announced yesterday, Shell told uh, WSP-TV, quote, people should not be allowed to do that, adding, hopefully he'll think twice before he does it to somebody else. Wait, so there, there's a like a story.
3: I was just going to say, like as a show prep is now done.
4: That's all I have to say? All right. I, I, do you have more news or are you finished for now? I'm finished. For, I think it's time for Chris Paddock. Is Chris Chris Paddock to the AM 970
3: studio, please. Chris Paddock to the AM 970 studio. Tim Riley, let's give it up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Tim Riley. There's, Tim Riley, there's ladies no reason and give it up. Chris, Chris Paddock, applaud for Tim Riley. By
2: clapping for Thank the you, Wolfman. Uh, you're welcome. I applaud you, Rick Emerson, for uh, winning that Willamette Week. Uh, Thank you. Well, you know, Corden. How about you forgetting Kid Rock? Come on. Seriously, look. Oh, that is big, oh, isn't it? By the way, Kid Rock. Yeah, Rockfest, Lucky number thirteen. Tickets yeah. on sale now. Right. Go get him. dot com. I am a. I am a fan. I'll be there with bells on. Well, this, so. absolutely. Uh, I heard you bought an album by uh, of his for a buck. I'm sure he wouldn't be too happy about that. <laughs> Try you have him sign it? Don't, you are <laughs> going the dollar to be. <laughs> you will be whooped down by Kid Rock. By the way, he um, will hurt you. Uh, by the way, these uh, these these earphones—they haven't been used by Richie, have they?
5: I think they are rich. Oh, would
2: you? Shoot. Would you believe me if I say no? Okay. No, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. No. The the thing about
3: uh, you know, uh, what was I going to say? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Court and Fatboy though got more ink than us and Aaron put together. It was all about the cheating the, of virtue. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. But
2: their listeners are trying to. Yes. Their listeners are stuffing the ballot box as good listeners. Do. I I applaud those uh, listeners as well. By any means necessary. No, all right. One no. clap. Thank you. Right. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank we... you. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You're Let's blotting. applaud. Let's yeah. Applaud Two All
3: right. Uh, okay, so you have this. You sent me this great Craigslist posting. Yeah. Have you, Tim, did you see this? I did not know. On There's a fantastic I thought it's Craigslist posting. I'm going to read this. This is from the San Francisco Bay Area. I will read this as it is written. Uh, Nemesis required. Six-month project with possibility to extend... I've been trying to think of ways to spice up my life, says the posting. I'm 35 years old, happily married, two kids, and I have a good job in insurance. But something's missing. I feel like I'm old before my time. I need to inject some excitement into my daily routine through my arm before it's too late. I need a challenge, something to get the adrenaline pumping again. An addiction would be nice, but in short, I need a nemesis. I'm willing to pay $350 up front for your services as an arch enemy over the next six months. Nothing crazy. Steal my parking space, knock my coffee over, trip me when I'm running to catch the BART, which is their train, and occasionally whisper in my ear, Ah, we meet again. That kind of thing. Just keep me on my toes. Complacency will be the death of me. You need to have an evil streak and be blessed with innate guile and cunning. You should also be adept at inconspicuous pursuit. Evil laugh preferred. Send me a photo and a brief explanation of why you would be a good nemesis. British accent preferred. So there you go. How
2: great is that? That is amazing. And uh, Big Jim, the... <laughs> down the hallway, has already applied, by the way. Big Jim awesome. of uh, the KUFO. How
3: do I vote for this and like make this best of Craigslist? You, you know, know what? Like
2: a, I, I already already is best of Craigslist. But, but the Willamette Week had uh, the best posting, I guess. Really? The Haven Award. This should win. Yeah, this is fantastic. That's one of the it's best way things. way better I've... than the one that won. That, that is really, really good. Uh, so, and uh, my friend in Phoenix, who forwarded that on to me, he uh, has decided that... Um, that is going to be his next job as he gets out of prison. A, a nemesis.
3: Yes, yeah. exactly. He'd
2: be quite good at it.
3: Oh, that's pretty uh that's pretty righteous. Yeah. I uh I mean I you know you got to admire people who uh you know who think a uh, think uh, in a in a sort of in, you know
2: in a, in a uh, Well, if with thing. all the rage of superheroes, why not? Yeah. At and you time. and don't you get the feeling though that that guy is completely serious? Oh, absolutely. And uh I believe Susan Reynolds our marketing uh, guru here. She is uh, forwarding this on to her husband who lives in the Bay Area and I think he is going to be <laughs> applying as well. Well and, and a guy who has the money to live in the Bay Area, you know he's really got the three fifty to spend <laughs> yeah, too
3: That's, he's not yeah. he's not bluffing yeah. there. All right. Uh well, we've got calls about peanut allergies, unsurprisingly, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
11: Hey, yeah, peanut allergies. Yes, sir. Dude, when I was a kid, everything that I ate had peanuts in it. Yeah, so then, shouldn't
3: everybody be dead?
9: I know. And then my daughter, the the last daycare that she was at she couldn't have
11: anything with peanuts in it, like you so know, granola bar.
3: And that's kind of my question. Have to just throw them in the garbage. That is my question. So they would. So now they would have you believe that a peanut being in the same room as the kid can kill oh, it.
2: It's dead. And yet, yeah. and yet, years
3: ago, you know, up until recently, everything on freaking Earth had peanuts in it, and yet yeah. somehow everybody survived.
9: I quite literally had to go through absolutely everything that she ate yeah. and say. Okay, there's no peanuts in there.
10: Well,
3: they even label food now. They say this food was created in a factory that cont- that sometimes has peanuts in it. Like, yeah. it, now it is so much they will label a granola bar to tell you if the factory it was made in ever had peanuts. And yet, as you noted, everything used to actually have oh, really?
2: full-on whole peanuts as an ingredient. I ordered a blizzard, yeah. uh-huh. and it said may contain nuts. Yeah. And that's ice cream. Right. Well, that's because so, of the blender. So, I mean, oh, you, that's right. Yeah, you the agree that,
3: that the peanut death is a recent phenomenon? Uh, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that is a, what would you say,
2: the last? Um... I would say within the last 10 years, because my wife is a flight attendant, and she yeah. works, you know, she passes out peanuts on Southwest Airlines. Right. They they have now had to change everything around because they don't necessarily hand out peanuts anymore right. on planes because of this. And that happened when? 10 years ago,
3: yeah. roughly. So what happened 10 years ago in, like, our water supply that made us all vulnerable to peanuts? That is an interesting question. And now no. I've got an email here that yeah. said, hey, a physician told me people in other countries are not allergic to peanuts. Hmm. Maybe it's a conspiracy. Uh, see, it
2: doesn't it seem weird? Like somebody flipped a switch? I think we know the plot of the new X-Files movie for tomorrow. This is like, uh yes, maybe. <laughs> now I believe. See, see, you know uh, but, here's, but here's the
3: thing. Is, enough, see, and I'm looking at the phone call. And it's just nothing but peanut allergy calls. So uh, people are saying that it's a recent thing. So maybe So somebody ought to work this into a film. Oh, Chuck Palahniuk ought to be writing a book about this right now, where he, like, says it's a conspiracy. All right. We've got to take a break. Uh, Chris Paddock, uh, Program Director, of Rock 101, KUFO. Tickets on sale now? Yes,
2: tickets on sale now. KUFO.com, Rock best.
3: Lucky number 13 was uh, Kid Rock. Excellent. Come see him. Thank you, Chris Paddock. Thank you. All right, there you go. Back after this to wrap it up, Like Us at 3, Like Us 101, five. Michael show at 7. We continue next. Stay right there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio hello. Program. So we got like three minutes here?
6: Yes, indeedy. All right. A little
5: less than three minutes. Rick, you should really come to a Timbers game sometime.
3: And this is soccer? Yes. Not lacrosse. That's Lumber the County. lumberjack. But
5: Timber Joe is there, and he's a listener. He was. Remember, he was at the bowling thing. He's the new yes. mascot. Right. I don't know if he's officially the new mascot. And
3: that's what, at P.G. Park? Yeah. Right. And when does that happen? Tonight. Well, and
5: it's Thirsty Thursday, which means...
3: I probably won't do it tonight. What time does it happen?
5: I think it's 7.
3: Oh, I was thinking about going to going to the Morgan Grace thing, but I I don't think really...
5: you'd really like it because it's really
3: I'm not a sport guy.
5: Uh, see, I'm not a sport girl either, but it's just so neat to see all of these people in Portland. It's just like a it's a really neat like community thing where it's everyone like,
3: comes together. A cross section of the community.
5: Yes. All and right. the best part about it is the smoking section halftime because it's lots of, you know, checking out people and, you know, and there's beer. folks and it's thirsty Thursday, which means it's cheap beer.
3: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so that's happening uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And
5: Morgan Grace tonight.
3: And Morgan Grace tonight. Uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Morgan. From all of us to you, uh, happy birthday, Morgan Grace tonight. Uh, at Kelly's Olympian. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. we got like two minutes here. So I don't know. If you want to try to sneak on, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. We've got the whole delay and everything. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, hey.
11: me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. My reason for uh, peanut allergies, Ronald Reagan. You need explanation. Is
3: this a Jimmy Carter joke?
11: No. Ronald Reagan undid the FDA, and manufacturers of beef and cheese and milk are mm-hmm. allowed to put hormones in food.
3: Well, and somebody and here – I'm sorry, and somebody is also noting – peanuts, as a this is from Thomas who knows everything. Peanuts as a food are a recent addition to the human diet. Uh, for the most part, they were not eaten until George Washington Carver used them to make peanut butter. He said it is possible that people have always been allergic to them, but they were thought to have died from heart attacks or other illnesses. He says it is also possible. People are not actually allergic to peanuts, but a as you just said, sir, but to a toxin that the peanut absorbs when growing, which may explain why the allergy is rare outside of the United States. Uh, so that could be it. That we're just growing them in infected soil, which doesn't seem like totally out of the question. So,
11: yeah, and also I like the idea of a good conspiracy theory involving a dead ex president.
3: We should totally create a like a full on conspiracy theory about peanuts. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Didn't All we right.
5: start some rumor a few years ago? Yeah, now?
3: Rick. We've tried that several times to create an urban that's legend. Right. It never really works. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, it,
9: the, the peanuts in America are different because there's you – remember, you know, the Georgia peanuts and everything down there in the All south? Right. There's, there's a mold that's developed on American peanuts. It,
7: mm-hmm. it, it Recently?
9: Grows, it grows on the roots down there where they dig up the peanuts and uh, – that stuff doesn't get cleaned off, completely sterilized off of there. People are allergic to actually allergic to the mold, oh. not the peanuts.
3: See, so this is, I mean, really, it seems like there ought to be like a little, like a Penn and Teller episode or something about this. Just going to get to the bottom of it. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah.
5: Or a Mythbusters.
3: Or a Mythbusters. Hey, there you go. That's another good idea. Are they oh, coming to town soon? They are. We're going to uh, maybe doing a little something else with them. Oh, that would be so cool. That's exciting. All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and Jen Lane for coming up. Well, not CNN correspondents. You know what I mean. Jen Lane, com. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include Aaron, the award-winning geek in the city. Aaron uh, Duran will be here, uh, as well as Dan um, uh, from PopCultureZoo.com, who will be at Comic-Con tomorrow, calling it. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970. The Talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley and the phones. Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper. Dave Zinn, web mistress. Bridget from upstairs, uh, director of engineering, Brian Jones. CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Donut with me, Reynolds. Like us next, like us 101 at 5. Michael Marishow show at 7. See you all tomorrow. we we'll for snakes. See you then. I'm huge. Bye.
9: And if you see a crack somewhere, take a cock with you and try to seal that, seal that crack up.